Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We once again have a packed house in here today. I am Brian Vitale. Let me go through who's all here with me today. I've got George Foster. Hello, everyone. I've got Josh Torres. Hola, mi amigos. I've got Adam Vitale. Hello, my friends. <laughs> Sorry. And I've got uh, James Galizio. Hey. And Colin Black. Hello. This time I'm not coming to you from a PS5 controller. Yeah. So uh, behind the scenes, last time we had all, I think, the same six of us here. Colin was unknowingly recording through his PS5 controller instead of the microphone he thought he was speaking into. So uh, I go a, back a couple of weeks and listen to that and criticize yeah, him partially. Please do. No, our power went out right before we were, we were going to start. And then Discord said, you want this on your PS5 controller, correct? And I guess yeah, this is, I was this in is such a rush. I said, it. sure. <laughs> Next time we're going to record all of us through PS5 controllers. That's a fun gimmick, though. Don't knock that. Let, that let's, let's hold on to that. So last week, we had a bunch of big news about a bunch of big series ranging from Final Fantasy, of course, to Pokemon to, you know, some some not as great news about uh, some Western RPGs like uh, Anthem. So this week, the uh, theme's a bit different. We're going to be talking about a lot more smaller niche, mostly in the JRPG space. So obviously, that's our specialty, maybe. Is that too uh, high horsey? I don't know. But a lot of little niche, fun, smaller games that we'll be discussing this week. Uh, I guess we might just go right into it. Uh, some of these games have released in the last couple of weeks. We spent all, about 30 minutes last week talking about Bravely Default 2. And I know over the last seven days, several of us have just been working through that. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know if anyone uh, has like uh, an immediate thing that they want to blurt out about. I, I didn't get Bravely. to mention this. Yeah, I didn't get to mention this last week because I was like, you know, we were barely like talking about talking about prologue and chapter one and stuff. But uh, I didn't get to mention I, I'm uh, my my progress has slowed down to a crawl because I've been working on another game we'll talk about. Um, so like I barely completed chapter two, uh, starting chapter three now. But I was talking with Alex Seedhouse uh, last week about you know uh, about the game, but I just forgot to mention that like a good chunk of the side quest side quests in this game really suck. <laughs> like there'll be like yeah. an early, like there'll be a lot of side quests even early on where it's like you're trying to rescue this person that's in a dungeon because their wife's worried about them. And then the wife's like, um, you know, bring this to him. He's working. He's like, bring this sandwich. Like, okay, uh, br- br- bring it to him. And he's like, oh, shit, I don't have a fork. Can you get me a fork? I'm like, are you That serious? one really stuck out to me, too. <laughs> well, well, that was what, though. I think the very first side quest I did in Bravely Default 2 was the one where the mom was like, hey, can you look for my son? And then you go talk to the son. He said, oh, I'm not going I'm not going to move. And so you go back, and she's like, ah, it's all right. Thank you for talking to him. It's like, why the fuck is that a side quest? Why is that a side quest? Yeah, like it's like a... Oh. It's it's frustrating because you're like, okay, you go back to the vibe. Uh, oh yeah, his fork. Here you go, and then you go back. You're like, thumbs up, dude. Uh, go go say thanks to my wife for me. <laughs> like, Most of the time, I feel like when though, because there are a lot of side quests that say, hey, go from point A to B and do it maybe like four times. Usually, they're in cities where that's like a bit more fine. But that one in particular stood out to me because it's like I really have to go through this, and I have to go to this entire dungeon and back every time. Yeah, yeah. That, that I, I will. Is, some of the side quests really piss me off. Like the, a good, but I like I like I like the ones that actually have like it goes to the like voice a scene. acting. 
Yeah, the, there's a scene yeah, the but, there's actual characters in it, and it relates to your party. I was gonna say those really stood out to me, and I, I that's why I'm mostly fine on the side quest because whenever that happens, usually it offers really important character moments, and I like that it makes you kind of work for them. Yeah, there uh, so, are some good side quests, but really they're the ones that specifically have like cutscenes in front of them, and they it, should. So basically, uh, less should have been more. They should have cut yeah. out. Like fifty percent of the of the chafe, pretty much. I don't think any of the anything would have been lost if they cut out those uh, extraneous side quests because there's already enough side quests with like character moments and whatnot in the game. I don't necessarily think those like fluff filler needed to be there. But also, one thing that's another weakness of them. I, I feel kind of bad that we just jumped out the gate to say time to criticize bravely. It's still a very fun game. We no, did. I just, a, um, I just forgot to mention side the sites. Like, oh yeah, the side quests were. Uh, the, some of the side quests are really rotten in this game, though. <laughs> we put about uh, seventy minutes of just gameplay footage up on our YouTube last week or last Thursday or so, uh, and we were talking about how we really do like the UI of the game, just in general, like the storybook feel and just like how how it's presented oh, yeah, and how it flips great. from menu to menu with the exception of that the like side there is no so the side quests are all like numbered and ranked and difficulty it's very clean like when you get them but there is no like good log of them which is weird because there's a good log of monsters there's a good log of um like your all the weapons that you've gathered and all the armor that you've gathered but if you want to look back like which side quests have i completed do i have any gaps instead of giving a list of side quests it gives you like a list of memories and it's just like a big long list like of cutscenes no, during the side quests. Yeah, no categorization, no categories, no like accordions. It's just a list. And like, oh, I these four memories are the four cutscenes for this side quest. And then it goes into some random other one, not labeled, not numbered. It could be it could honestly be better. I, I thank you for bringing that up because as someone who did all the side quests, that was absolute hell. It it was miserable it basically required me to go to every town and look at every single inch and just do like just comb through that world it probably added like 10 hours maybe to my you know you gotta stand out go ahead adam uh octopath traveler only that was even worse Mm. oh yeah octopath traveler side quest the npcs didn't even have like like colored speech bubbles or anything oh my god and it was like I and remember in Octopath Traveler, the, you'd basically have to yeah. just talk to every single NPC in every single town and just like, because sometimes it wasn't clear, like someone else had mentioned, like you have to go somewhere else to some other town, but then you might not even have unlocked the town yet. And, you know, hours later, how are you supposed to remember it? Anyway, that's the tangent. <laughs> uh, my favorite part about Bravely 2 is like, all right, time to wait outside the town until nighttime and then go back oh, in. God. God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many then, things like that. I guess to provide context to people who haven't played Bravely Default 2 yet, is that <clears> you can get different side quests depending on the time of day in that game between day and night, as the like new NPCs might pop, pop up in town with a different side quest that's only exclusive to night or something. And there's no toggable thing like in Xenoblade or something where you can uh change the time of day at will manually. You have to like stand around, like at literally outside of town, just stand there walk around, run around, maybe do some battles, just waiting for day to turn to night and then go, go back in. And then like every, so like every new chapter or like every new event has a, a chance of like giving you a new side quest and you wouldn't know unless you're following a guide or something, but you just don't know when new side quests will pop up because the, the game will never 
um indicate to, to you hey like if you go back like to the starting town a new side quest has popped up there it will never tell you that it's just you have to find out on your own through that method it's it's only like three minutes but still from a series that jumped out you know back with bravely default one as like trying to put quality of life at like the forefront and convenience with the way that they toggled like random encounters and things like that it feels like that's a missed opportunity here where there isn't just a a weight option and second took the um took the quality of life even further so it feels weird that it's like for every step forward there's a step back and it's it's a very strange kind of thing i i'm wondering if the lack of quality of life is kind of because of the pandemic in a way yeah it's probably like a manifold number of reasons pandemic, different developer things like that because I yeah. was just I was thinking like, wow, if they had like more time to iron this out, it probably would have been like from like an in my opinion, in like an eight to a nine of just like like from just the gameplay alone. I also man, yeah, the, all these rumors like uh, of like the Bloomberg reporting out like there's like a new switch model that will output output or 4K or, 4K or something like I really hope that whenever this new supposedly more powerful capable switch comes out that older titles get like a bump in performance or anything because the 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 this game's technical performance just really bums me out sometimes like the amount of stuttering i've i've uh witnessed through like the dock mode and like just so- sometimes just a- a- especially after getting out of battles it'll like it has like maybe a 50 percent chance to like just stutter just a little bit and like it so i've been playing this yeah. game through a through a capture card just so i could easily like take screenshots i know a recent switch update made it slightly easier but just so i could easily drop them into a folder on my pc and i was getting that stuttering i'm like is my capture card bugging out and so i played it on the switch handheld for a bit and i'm like oh nope just that's just the game uh and then I've actually grown to really like the art style of the game. I know people said like the game is just ugly, and I you know that's fair. That can be your opinion, but I, I've just I've enjoyed like how the monsters look, how the cities look, like a pop up book. But then like you go into battle, and they do like this in battle cutscene where the resolution is super blurry, or you go into like there's like a there's like a desert ruin dungeon in the second sorry first chapter, and like not only is the resolution blurry, but there's like a depth of field effect that's probably applied to liberally and on top of that i think there's like a heat haze effect like all those things combined i'm like man like looking through like a foggy window into this thing so those things want to be fixed by a stronger switch but at least at least get the resolution and frame rate i I do like there's a you mentioned the visuals like i do like there's a kind of like a a a weird like diorama effect in it it especially stuck out like when you go to that first canyon area in the prologue when you're Going through that, and you have to go visit like uh, a, a like you know being very vague. You have to visit a grave at an elevated, eleva uh, you know space, and then there's you see the the clouds moving in the background. It's kind of, it's kind of like a, a neat moment, small moment right there. It's like oh yeah, these visuals are like really fit this game well. There's one there's one moment in one of the cities where uh, you end up going on. Uh, this is this is a tiny minor spoiler. Skip ahead thirty seconds. One of the cities is like covered in like branches and thorns and thistles, and you go up on one of the branches and you like go way into the foreground, and you see like the big pop up. It gives you like the whole panoramic view, like actually while moving your character and not just by pulling the camera out. Yeah. I was like, man, this looks, this looks pretty good. Pretty like cool. it's cool design here. So, Colin, uh, tell me about Bravely Second because you brought that up, and I've heard uh, you've been uh, playing through that. Uh, right oh. after your time with Bravely Default 2? 
So, um, I was, um, bravely second is probably, I always loved the game when it first came out. I never finished it. I will say now it's probably my favorite 3ds game. I like everything about that game just feels like a direct response to what I did not like in bravely default. Um, I love the main cast. I love the tongue and cheekness of the writing. It, it, it very much understands what it is as a sequel to bravely default. And it, it's just. The job system is amazing. Um, I think it probably has the best jobs in the series. Just there's so many unique and creative jobs. Like, oh, okay, so there's like there's a there's a black mage, but also there's like a wizard, and there's a um there's like a new version of a white mage, but they're better and they do different things that still make the old ones viable as maybe sub jobs. Like the wizard class will like it can apply effects to spells. Like you could do like, oh, um, I want this spell to do a mist effect where it'll attack everybody for damage like every turn. I want like a hammer effect, so which is basically like a big physical hit, but with magic. Yeah, like, I, different... I'm glad you mentioned that because that that's the th- one of the things that stuck uh, out to you on Bravely Default too was I like honestly I don't really enjoy the the black mage class in Bravely Default too because it's your standard. Hey, here's your uh, fire, ice, uh, th- uh, thunder spells, and then you just keep on getting better versions of them wow yeah. you know like in, like in like in bravely second they mentioned like like that that class is like more modifiers like how you cast spells and how you actually like what effects would you like to uh apply on spells rather and i think that's a more interesting like class design for me personally it does feel oh, like yeah. a waste of opportunity that like six of the spells that you unlock on black mage or like aura spells or aga spells and then they're like uh here's uh here's poison like uh can you a few yeah. more like that i suppose i will say though poison has actually been really useful in Breath of the Fall 2, don't overlook oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's Especially also really with Beastmaster. Hard. It's also really hard to land on hard mode. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> God. I, um, but I've been, I've been playing through Bravely Second again. I'm trying to finish it, and I'm just so impressed with how fun it is and how enjoyable the story is, how enjoyable the characters are. You and Magnolia are just like so charming. And I think even the returning characters are better. Like, Tiz feels way better as like, a supporting character than the main character. I agree. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's that's something I've mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Bravely Second has a very kind of a. Uh, go ahead. Uh, it's just that I haven't played Bravely Default or Bravely Second, and I was going to ask like how tethered or how connected are they? And apparently, uh, very. If they've got returning characters acting it's in supporting a direct roles. sequel to the oh, Default one, it, it's weird. Okay, so it is a direct sequel, but in a way you can kind of jump in on second with just a bit of knowledge of the first game. Um, I, I, because I, I didn't finish bravely default when I jumped into second and I like when I first played through second, like, and well, I stopped of course, but I understood everything that was going on because the two of the uh, main party members are new characters. One of which he was just being a, a book geek out um, somewhere else. So he just didn't have time for the events and one of them was on the moon so they they don't know they didn't know exactly what happened so they catch the audience up as well it is definitely a game where you'll probably uh, know and appreciate more if you played the first game um but honestly like there's a really good clemps video out on bravely default that just catches you up on the entire story so if you want to just jump in a second you can watch that but i i love the like uh, like we were saying uh, earlier, like Tiz works way better as a supporting character, and there's a really fun dynamic there with him and you because both of them have like 
traumas related to losing one of their brothers and you can see kind of like a very interesting like surrogate brother situation working for both of them which one of the villains even calls out and and that's like really interesting there's yeah that's one thing i will say that always kind of struck me a bit odd about bravely default is that it didn't really go too into detail about what happened with tiz at the beginning of the first game <laughs> it really no, there's like a big issue there where, which i've been it was one of the reasons why the story never vibed with me is uh have you have you guys played uh four heroes of light yeah anyone here uh-huh yep I played it. okay so you know how in the beginning of that game you have a very standard rpg structure you start in a little in a little village you like you can choose to walk around and talk to any, everybody or you could just make a beeline to the main story when you come back, you're like, oh my god, everyone's turned into stone. Well, if you took the time to talk to everybody, then maybe you might feel something. You might care that, like, oh, all these people, like, grew, like, it's a little thing, but right. it makes but a big difference. Default, yeah, it skips all over, it skips all of that. Yeah, in Bravely Default, you get a CG cutscene, uh, and Tiz is looking out on his village. He's like, I'm Tiz, and I, and then the village gets destroyed, and his brother dies. And that's it. That's literally all you get. And I've grown to be less nitpicky about that. But it is, I still think it is a big missed opportunity to not have it so that you got time to walk around your village as Tiz, talk to everybody. You could see that relationship with his brother. And honestly, you could have even used that opportunity to, you know, show off the gameplay mechanics. That reminds me of something in Final Fantasy V. Uh, well, actually, Colin, you haven't, how far have we gotten into five? I think I just finished the water um, crystal stuff. Okay. So I'm two crystals in. Yeah, you're like pretty early. Yeah. Game. So I won't say anything then. I, um, I stopped playing it to focus on two of the other games I'm going to be talking about. Yeah. Before we go on too far, uh, Adam, you wanted to mention something uh, earlier. that uh, I No, I was just going to parrot on what Colin was saying about Tiz. Um, I also think in Bravely Second, I mean, but uh, Bravely Second kind of has love it or hate it it kind of has like this kind of jokey tone to it throughout and tiz kind of works as like a straight man oh like, yeah he, he's just kind of like you know the plain face stone face doesn't really get the joke sort of guy but it, it sort of works it works yeah he's just kind of also... genuine and nice and he's just like you know he's not as it, goofy it, and it yeah works. it works and also like but he's not like stoically that all the time. Like he'll tease a bit when he like needs to, but it's never mean. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of detail to how the characters are written, and I really feel like a lot. Like I, I I've always felt the game was overhated, and now playing it, like all these years later, I really just like I'm I'm looking through. I'm playing. And I'm like, wow, people just really did not give this game a chance because it does so much right. This is explain to me why is it hated. That's the thing. This was interesting to me because, uh, like, even in a recent like Famitsu interview with Asano, uh, who's been been with the with the Bravely Default series, like he had to like, we was had to apologize for Bravely Second, second. and I was like, and that always stuck out to me. Like, I don't know why the Japanese audience did never got like, never warmed up to Bravely Second. Like, what happened in the development or in in the game of Bravely Second that like really turned off Japanese players to it. So I don't want to get into. Oh, sorry, George, for cutting you off. No, I was going to say I've, I've been pretty silent this whole time. <laughs> but with anything like I, you, an artist, well, that sounds a bit dramatic. But yeah, well, no, any creator should never have to apologize 
for something, unless obviously it's like rude well, or offends. But see, I, I don't that's the weird thing is that it seems like I, I don't know the specifics, but it seems like he's apologizing for someone else's work, and that's where the rudeness comes into play. Yeah, that's weird. But like. The reason why people didn't like it in Japan, at least the one reason we all know of, I, I'd like to not spend a billion minutes talking about this because we all, I'm pretty sure many of us have heard it before, but it's the whole side quest thing and how they were changed. And the Japanese version got essentially, well, you could say more thematically appropriate. It just wasn't fun. And they fixed up a lot of the side quest stuff for the English release. Um, mm -hmm. But I think people just didn't like the writing and the characters. Um, and I have always kind of felt that like when it came west, people just kind of heard that the Japanese fans didn't like it and they just kind of assumed the worst. Um, I also kind of feel like a part of it kind of relies on if you this is kind of a specific thing, but if you like Ring a Bell or not. Because some people really like Ring a Bell, so that he's not really that present in Bravely Second is a is a is a it's, down it's, point. It's, it's but if you don't like Ring a Bell, his absence is a plus. Oh yeah, no, I didn't care for him. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that one character would uh, would be a, a make it or break it uh, for, for some people. Although I will mm -hmm. say, um, uh, I'm trying to say this without like, well, Alternus is still in um, yeah. Bravely Second, and he's absolutely adorable. And it's really funny that you take this stoic Dark Knight character and basically make him the errand boy for the entire world. Yep. Like he's <laughs> yeah. running around like helping like old women with their groceries. And like all this stuff, and he's so gung ho about it. And it's like th this game, I have had a smile on my face for for like ninety five percent of it, and for the other five percent, I've just been genuinely like, like my emotions have been attacked because it it knows that's the thing. Everyone says like it's too silly, all this stuff. The silliness just makes the serious like story stuff hit even harder, in my opinion, because you already care care about these characters, and then. So when the game is finally in like, all right, here's the baseball bat to your heart. It's like, all right, well, you shattered it. Good job. <laughs> but we should probably move on from bravely. Well, you mentioned uh, speaking of like serious story. I just wanted one last comment is that Bravely Default 2 and Chapter 2 really gets quite oh, dark. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, yeah. And I, so, I thought I thought it was going to like pull back at the end and kind of like tie it up in a nice like fantasy like, oh, and then everything was fine, Bo. And speaking very generally it doesn't it, it's bleak and it kind of has a bittersweet conclusion to that part of the story so that's, i actually like that it went that far and it didn't oh like yeah chicken out that, that's what i like about bravely default too is while i do feel it plays it safe with a lot of the more outlandish bravely things the story is very dark and it's that kind of good dark i always like and i kind of miss from that older era of rpgs where they could get away with a lot of stuff as long as they didn't show anything well they're they're not they're not too scared or too apprehensive to make the player sad or feel like uh -oh. i feel like a lot of games nowadays are like well we don't want anyone to feel too down about this so we're gonna cushion the blow in some way or the other and here they don't really do that it's not like overbearingly dark but they just allow it to be bittersweet and just allow it, that case to linger as you move on from that chapter it's darker uh, okay looking forward like, to it like i mean have you finished chapter two i i i beat the final boss of it and i think i'm moving on to chapter three but i haven't seen the chapter three title card yet Okay, so the the thing you discover right before you um fight that boss is insanely dark. Yeah. And chapter mm. three matches that, if not kind of goes further. Chapter mm. three is probably my favorite chapter in the game. It's 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 kind of weird and like creative 
that they went that way and it kind of plays off of like fan expectations in a fun way as well but i i like chapter three it's really good i'll probably be getting into that right after uh, we finish recording this heck yeah so uh george how's uh persona five strikers i love it it's so good <laughs> i'm so happy like i when whenever you've talked about royal in the past column like specifically you because you you are the biggest Big fan of uh, I've always been like, I wish I could talk about Persona like you do like that, because I really love everything about it, except for the combat. And not That's even fair. really the combat. Like, I still enjoy the combat, because I put 70, 80 hours into the original. It's just... It it just... It goes on. It goes on and on. Uh, the Persona 5, and apparently, I guess, Royal 2, because it's even longer. And I don't... I didn't enjoy the dungeons. Um... There were just a lot of things about it that didn't strike right with me, and I think I need to go back to it. I think I definitely need to go back. Maybe just do Royal. I don't know. Oh yeah, no. If you're play, if you're going to replay Persona Five after Strikers, like not only will Royal like just be overall a better experience, it might even go as far to like fix some of your issues with the combat because it's like while it's it's a bit of an easier game, it's just a better game. Yeah, that yeah, it's. It's just the length thing. I, I think I feel pedantic about this, but I'm oh, no, I get I'm at about thirty five hours into Strikers, and they've they've done the whole. Oh, I can now confirm they did the whole like. Oh yeah, the end of the journey, and then like no, it's not. It's definitely not. Oh yeah, and I've got way more to do by the looks of it. Um, and because it's it's like it's doing this now, where it's done the sort of like fake conclusion, but there's more to it. At around the 35 hour mark i can't see it going on much longer than maybe like six or seven hours more and that's you're fine definitely near the finish line yeah like you're almost on yeah and i've loved fine. it i've i've genuinely it's i think i say this every week i say this every week when i've played a new game uh but this is one of my favorites of the year so far uh and yeah like, it's, uh, hitman is uh like there's loads on that list so far but what about werewolf reeled me in oh, don't talk about it we don't talk about werewolf <laughs> Um, well, Josh was yeah. saying exactly this um, when he reviewed the game was that because of its structure, Persona 5 Strikers like almost has like a better kind of flow and pacing to it. It, it kind of also comes along with like more almost like a larger like cutscene density though, or voice acted cutscene density. Yeah. But but it's still like a in terms of pacing doesn't have all the like the calendar social link stuff. So it's just well, this, kind of is... go ahead. I, I... I mixed on that where I miss some of the social events in some ways because there there are like little little moments where you can choose like which character you want to do this with and it's only happened twice for me and some of them are like a group event whatever but I miss that and in terms of the way it's structured for the first maybe fifteen hours I was there like oh is it gonna do this every time is it gonna do it every time where one of these jails like conveniently lines up with one of the party members and like follows some of the things that they learn in persona 5 because i can't really be bothered to do eight versions of that where each character has that oh um, i love that i i, I, that's that. a, I was i was fine with it for the first two and i was like it's just predictable but then it's, it kind of stopped doing it so obviously um at least in my recognition like they don't go not one character steps forward and says this is like what i've suffered through like it is more unique and they go to some smarter places with it obviously i'm avoiding saying some stuff yeah josh also said that i really hope they go to the brink with it like yeah like yeah like you saw like a like a recognition of it but the way the way they 
uh, switch it up, like you know, maybe a they switch while. it up before it gets grading. Yeah, 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 yeah completely. Uh, and I don't know if I can even say this, but that when you get about halfway through the game, you get another playable character. Um, and I don't know whether that's a spoiler. I, I I don't think so, unless I went further into it. He's in the opening. It's fine. Yeah. yeah well, that, when when I saw him in the opening, I was like, what? Um, and I love I love that character. I love that character oh. and what they do. Oh yeah. Uh, I I, and- I, I think it, the, that that character essentially has like one of like the best awakening scenes yes. uh, throughout the games, and just like the top to bottom, both persona and the outfit is like five thumbs up. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I think the hardest part is, and I, I talked about this last week with how I felt about Persona 5. Like, So I was saying before about how nostalgic I was for Persona 5, like going into Strikers with like all the characters talking, the music's kicking back in. Uh, and that's the opposite effect where I'm reaching the end of Strikers and I'm like, damn, I'm sad. I am sad to be leaving this little universe. And screw Persona 6. I want Persona 5 too. Persona 5 too. Persona 5 3 then, do it. Like, I, I yes, just I agree. And it makes me sad because like, Persona 6 is going to have a lot of... It's going to have a lot of baggage. It's going to have to really have some good characters to compete. And I haven't played any of the Personas because they haven't really been available. Like, give me Persona 4, put it on put it on PS5, I'll play it. But yeah, it's so funny, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because like I I, I wonder if they're gonna go like the Persona 4 Rita Ultimax route where they uh have a follow-up to the spin-off, so it'd be like a Persona 5 Strikers 2, and then that's when I they wouldn't incorpor- complain. And then that's when they incorporate like the new characters from the added uh update of the original game, like in Arena Ultimax. That's when they brought Marie as a playable character. So maybe that's when, if they do a Strikers two, that's when they bring Kasumi. Give me, on. give me Kasumi and Akechi. Just give me them. If you give me Akechi, I will never play any other character in this game. I just want Akechi. I miss him so bad. <laughs> I miss that. Fun, like I act- miss that fucking garbage can. I need him. <laughs> he would be a fun add-on for sure. I, 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 lo- I love his winter outfit in Royal. It's so oh god in Royal. The in the new content, he is such a bitch. I love him <laughs> so much. I, I was I was very concerned. Yeah, this is this is pretty worth it. Robbie Damon, that's like the performance of his already amazing career. It is so good. Yeah, his, his demeanor throughout that new content is uh you, you should do it, it's worth it for the journey, George. You should just do it. No, <laughs> yeah, Royal is um and when I when I said earlier that Royal will probably fix your problems with the gameplay, it's because they I, I don't want to say they overhauled it, but they added so much to the combat and they tweaked and fixed so much. Like 50 hours in, I was finding new stuff. 50 hours? <laughs> George, yeah. George, right here's 50 hours. Like, oh, it's all only 50 hours in. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, you're fine. You're just like, that's that's a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, pacing wise. I, I know, but because he's, like, you're, he's always concerned, he's concerned about the length, basically. Not to say like, the breadth, like the content, the quality content. Yeah, I get you. I'm so crotchety about it. It's like every time <laughs> the game's long, I'm like, Ugh. like, even if I really enjoy it, like, even, like, say, like, Kim Hot. Hearts Four comes out, yeah, whatever. Kingdom Hearts, whatever. But if hours that, long, Kingdom Hearts. Long, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be happy with it. I would still be like, oh, George, I'm sorry, just, but you, you signed up for the wrong side. You signed up, signed up for an RPG. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I don't know I how will, to tell you this. I'm, I'm feeling Persona right now. I'm like, I'm listening to the music outside of playing the game. I'm very like, I'm looking into, I'm watching YouTube videos of Persona Five memes, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? It is 
time it's time to go back to Zoom. I finished that dancing <laughs> game. I finished the dancing game for the main game, and that's just <laughs> that's just peak me, isn't it? That, that's Yakuza Six before any of the others sort of me thing. <laughs> I um you brought up the music and I want to bring something up that I totally didn't notice until recently. So uh Apparently, they recorded a brand new English version of the uh, Strikers uh, credit song. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that which copyright surprise yeah. too. I was like, oh, yeah, because I was listening to it. It's like, oh yeah, I was like, wait, this is different. This is what what's different about this? Because I've been I was listening to the soundtrack on my own for like a year, and you know, I beat the Japanese one, and I'm just like, wait a second, did they really? Did they recorded? They they got Lynn to record a new version of this during a pandemic that's kind of like that's a power move yeah you guys are crazy because it sounds great and also just like the localization of strikers is amazing and the dub is really good especially yeah. when you can like considered it was recorded all during the pandemic you wouldn't know yeah, they basically they basically stated know. a few months back that the pandemic was why it took a year for it to come out uh over here I, totally I, yeah, good. I imagine the the pandemic combined with the fact that they needed to make a PC port was probably why it delayed it so long. Like all all the work concerning like audio design, the voice actors, audio engineers, and all that stuff, like during a pandemic where you have to be a part, is is it's a miracle that it comes together. And like the PC if, port, by the way, is actually like pretty good. But I've had I've noticed that for whatever reason, I'm kind of lucky with PC ports when other people have problems. And I think if you go to the Steam page for Strikers. People do mention like crashing issues, but for me, it's been so I've played like 10 hours of this, which is probably not a good idea because I haven't played sort of five at all, <laughs> but uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's just I don't know. It's got a fun combat system and it shines at, you know, the well, it's, it's a high frame rate on PS5 as well, but it's I think I'm going to wait I until I get a 4K monitor to play uh, P5S because I just got a new GP, so I should be able to push it 4K 60. So. And then um, I, I always and it'll look previous, like 1080p. In in previous podcasts, I feel like we've almost done this game a little bit of a disservice by like mentioning it in the same breath as Age of Calamity, which of course we were going to because the similar you know same developer, similar style of game at least on the surface. I'm not saying Age of Calamity is bad. It's just that 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 game is much more jumping between menu and battlefield, menu and battlefield, which is oh, you're being yeah. a little bit unfair. I think you're being a little bit unfair to Josh, actually. He pretty I, much I said several times that it's not like that at all when he talked about it. Well, I guess I, I had to experience it like firsthand because I kept like compartmentalizing them together in my head because they're I like, think it's impressive that, from that um, did you listen to what Josh said. <laughs> I, I needed to call out on the podcast. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> I think it's impressive that the that Age of Calamity was seemingly developed and re released after Persona 5 Strikers, and it runs worse on Switch. It runs like crap. It that runs like that crap. game it, runs awful. Like I'm a lot less positive than I was on my review now, because especially now, replaying Strikers, I'm like, Strikers doesn't run the best on Switch, but this is, this is kind of embarrassing, because this is like AAA Nintendo yeah. money. That's what put me off. I, I started jump not to go into the tangent, um, but I, I started it. I was like, "Yeah, breath, more Breath of the Wild is gonna be ace," and literally instant. It sounds petty, and I say it out loud, but like the frame rates made me go like, "Ugh!" Like Switch Pro, maybe I'll come back to it. Okay, but now, now we have two reasons for Switch Pro brought up in this podcast. Persona Five Strikers just like looks at Age of Calamity and just like sneers at it because this is this is like amazing. I, I'm so, so playing on Switch. 
No, no, I'm on PS5. Oh, oh okay. I, <laughs> I actually, I thought this Apple earlier. Apple is a little bit. <laughs> I was, I was doing this. I think I, I said this last time where I skateboarded into a bunch of enemies, and that was awesome. There's a later bit where you can like you use like a shopping cart or something to skateboard into people. I'm like, oh, oh they just yeah. they love. And I was thinking, I was like, I wonder how this runs on Switch because there are a lot of enemies on screens. It's not like warriors level for most of it, but there are, you know, there's a there's a good amount of graphic effects in that. So is it 30 frames on Switch coming? Uh yeah, it's 30. It it hits 30 more often than not. Near the end, it starts to drop frames a bit more. But honestly, just being able to play a persona game on the go is just that's that's good enough for me. Yeah, imagine what that's like. <laughs> persona 5. Like, Oh God, I, I, it's really funny because I've seen people like be really dismissive at the idea of Royal coming to Switch and like looking at uh, Strikers, like how the it's it is a little rough looking on Switch. I play it on my light, so I don't it doesn't bother me as much. Um, but it it is very weird how dismissive people are of like Royal not coming to Switch or not looking good if it did come to Switch, and it's like, well, we already have a test case for Royal on Switch, and it's it's Catherine full body, which looks and runs astoundingly good yeah. i forgot they came on that came to switch it's point. kind of the best version it's weird uh, because they add like well yeah well because all the dlc is free so you get all the character stuff and you get two extra voices for Catherine. it's like it's it literally like the best version of the game by the way there is an atlas survey right now about which sequels to existing series you want on other platforms, including Megaten, Persona, Etrian Odyssey, and which ports for existing games do you want on Switch, such as That's Persona cool. 5 and, and 13 they, Sentinels? And they've done those quite a, the, that sort of question on previous surveys that they do every year. They've done it for a few years now. It looks like they're really getting, you know, they're thinking about porting pretty much anything. Bring the Etrian Odyssey series to PC, man. Save oh. Persona Q2. Save it. <laughs> That game is so good, and it's just that art style is ruined. Not ruined, but it's just it sucks that you have a game that looks that good artistically, and it's just on the 3DS low resolution screen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, game Persona Five Strikers is really good. Yeah, I, I loved it. I'm, glad, I'm really glad that you're enjoying it, George. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm stunned. Honestly, like, not, not, it's not, I wouldn't call it a 10 or anything like that, but I'm just stunned at, like, how much I'm into it. Uh, and if it carries through and I suddenly start playing Persona 5 Royal again, then holy crap, because I've been avoiding that for like a year. Did you ever beat Youth 9? Uh, yes. Yeah, I did. And that oh, was I'm surprised. He reviewed it. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh crap. For, another, for who? Uh, I did that for PlayStation Lifestyle. Ah, uh, um, cool. And then I started East 8, and I got like seven hours into that, and I was really enjoying that. So, oh man, I forgot. Okay, damn. Okay, <laughs> I have to choose between them. I'll get back to you. I, I, was, I was thinking um, recently, I was like, so we're starting the year off with Persona 5 Strikers, and Atlas has a bunch of more games coming out. And I'm like, there's, there's certain to be unannounced stuff as well, but like, this is kind of Atlas's year. Like, if you think about it, because we have the Nocturne remaster coming out, we have SMT5 coming out, and that's already three games, and those are all good games. Well, like SMT5 is probably going to be good, but it's I, like I, I imagine they're also, also going to be like a, yeah, an Atlas game PC port. Uh, oh yeah, type Strikers. I would not be surprised if we're playing Royal on PC and Switch this year. Like I 
genuinely would not be surprised. Market. I, I, man, I don't know. I, it'd be so weird to see Persona 5 Royal running at 60. Like, I'm trying to th- think about it in my head. Like, that'd be really my brain cool, would explode. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'd probably get that on both. Like, if it came to Switch and PC, I'd get it on both. I'm looking for an excuse to replay that whole goddamn game again. And honestly, playing it on Switch would just be like so comfy and perfect. <laughs> yeah, Josh, Josh needs a reason to play it through like a fifth time. Oh my god! <laughs> another, another Persona Five playthrough. Let's go. <laughs> right now, though, I'm just kind of like really excited for Nocturne. Like, yeah, I want to try Nocturne because they're still putting updates out, and I'm just yeah, like, oh, this is gonna be so good when it hits the West. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm pretty excited, especially. You know, uh, when people like data mine that game, and then they saw like there was like a branch of of uh, Steam on it on on HD re- uh, Nocturne HD remaster. I'm like, L- just do it, just fucking do it, just do it. <laughs> the, the the context there for anyone who's not in the know is that HD remaster came out for Nocturne last year in Japan. It's slated for spring this year. It was absent from the Nintendo Direct. So news any day now. We were starting to get a bunch of release dates for like the next three, four months. And that one should be inbound soon. Hopefully this so. month we'll learn more about it. So obviously we spent a good uh, chunk of the opening here talking about like the big two RPG releases of February. Uh, but a game also came out last week that was a bit of a surprise that I think Josh and Colin have played. So mm. tell me about, I'm going to pronounce this wrong again. Nosia? No, I, that's how I've been. Oh, Nosha. is it Nosha? I, I think it's Nosha. That's what I, I think. But in, in I've been calling it Nosia. Gnosia. Gnosia. Really? I can't. I can't do Gnosia. Okay, this is you know. This requires a bit of setup of like how we uh, speak about this game because kind of it kind of has like rules to it. Yeah. So, I guess the the big big overhead view uh, to connect with our audience is like imagine like if the Mass Effect characters played among us essentially oh i I was waiting to see all right who's gonna say among us first (laughs) i'll i'll do it but it is much more akin to the classic uh werewolf uh game because unlike in among us like where there's not really like roles attached uh except for like like an imposter um this one has more in-depth roles so in in this game um, it is also worth mentioning that this came out before the big among us popularity spike so before anyone's like, so they just ripped it off and no. Yeah, yeah. no. And plus Among Us is, is based on existing properties too. It's yeah, like werewolf, mafia, you know, like th- those concepts and, and types of games have existed before Among Us people. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Please go outside. Please play <laughs> other games. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in this game, uh, you're essentially um, playing these like Among Us rounds essentially. And um where you kind of start in the middle of like a discussion with your other peers. It could be up to 15 other, uh, up to 15 people in general, but you make a character and you're having this discussion and it is all set like in a spaceship of sorts. And you're discussing just on the get-go, like you don't, you're kind of plunged into the middle of it or you're kind of lost. And you're talking about who to send to cold sleep. And it has to be a consensus among your peers of like who to send to cold sleep. Because in this game, there's the, the there's two you're trying to suss out who the nosia are <laughs> exactly you uh, yeah, bitch. <laughs> that's what the zoomers say man i got i got to connect with them george are you connecting yes <laughs> all right good it's working right, then right, keep right. it up uh so 
the uh, like like in Among Us, like the, in the you're trying to find the imposters to uh, like put out the space shuttle, and this one you put them to cold sleep. So you're all kind of doubt, doubting each other, like I think it's this person, or I think it's this person, and obviously people will cover like, no, I don't, I think this person's good, and then you know there, there'll be like five uh, rounds of this of like you going back and forth, uh, suspecting who could be uh, a nosia, and at the end of those rounds, everyone takes the vote, and then whoever has the highest amount of votes, yeah, gets put into cold sleep, and if there's a tie, there's like tiebreakers, uh, like revotes and whatnot. And so and there's also fun things that can happen where it's like if there's a tie, if there's like a, a tiebreaker vote and then it's still even, you could put everyone to sleep or like all, both people to sleep or all four people to sleep, however many or no one to sleep. So no one actually like gets voted out. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, those are like the, the, the fail safes as well. Like you can you can like reach consensus consensus of like whether to put everyone, all the candidates to sleep or not as well. It's surprisingly thought out for like an indie team. Like they're like while some of the logic stuff and the AI is very weird, like sometimes characters will suspect people and then immediately defend them. Like the like the programming's a little weird on that. It is a very there's a lot of stuff in this game. Yeah, so I'm going to try to go like let, let's go a little deeper then. So after like the, these rounds uh end like obviously, um, you know, another round will begin until either the either the humans win or the Nosia win, and whatnot. And in between these like discussions, you can go like very briefly like around the spaceship, like just menu driven. Like you go who you choose who you want to visit, uh, and whatnot. Or you can go back to your room and choose to level up. Because in this game, you actually have like RPG stats, and these stats are charisma, intuition, logic, performance, stealth, and I think and charm. And all of those, like yeah, the game, does a really good job, like breaking down like what these affect. Like in performance, the higher performance you have, the better you are at lying, because you can actually take the side of the nosia in in some of these like uh, loops. We'll call them like these uh, discussions. These raging loops. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and obviously, charm will make it so like people will um, go along with what you say, and stealth. Oh, and, sorry. It's all right. And stealth uh, makes it so that you're less likely to be targeted because in between these um, discussions, um, every night, the Nosia can choose to take out one person in their sleep. and But only only one uh, in between, uh, never more. So uh, let's say like we, we, we've uh, either the humans or Nosia has won this round. Now, when this ends, it, it, that signifies the end of a loop. So now you time travel back and now a new loop starts with completely different characters and different like it uh, one thing i'll add on to to maybe add some clarification here each loop of this game takes like 15 minutes yes it's a very like, it's a very pick up and play it is very gamified which i at first i was like oh so there's not a lot of characterization here which isn't true there but it's kind of like the whole purpose of the game in like the grand scheme of things like yes you could use it as a simulator to have fun werewolf missions but the end goal is uncovering every piece of information because you have a little list of everybody and there's like uh, question marks and you have to fill out and like figure out who you're hanging out with um is figuring out who everyone is yeah and you're gonna need to go through a lot of different loops to do that and there's, what's really cool is that you get a essentially you can customize your experience to look for all this stuff. 
you can choose do you want to play as a nosia a crew member an engineer which is essentially like well they we'll can those yeah we're oh, about yeah. To get at this so um like uh after you complete one of these uh, it signifies the end of the loop and then so you time travel back and like uh as colin mentioned um the whole mystery of this game is essentially like you said there's like 14 other unique uh characters in this game and uh, they all have like you have these mysterious notes and then like as you go through the loops sometimes you'll get into an event with them and sometimes either these events you learn something new about them or they can actually teach you like a skill where you have to like meet a stat check to like un uncover the skill uh, or use which the are skill. super useful like yes it's there are so many skills for so many different situations like it again it's a very like it, it comes across initially as a very like bare bones game but the more you play it the more like skills and abilities you get to like talk your way out of situations like if there's enough evidence you can literally call someone out as a nausea and they're like well fuck you got me all right then so ima imagine like in like in a traditional rpg where you have like you know the standard attack defend uh thing and you have like a special skill like healing or like or doing fire damage in this game it's literally like conversational skills so let's say someone uh, says, oh, I suspect you, and you'll uh, and you have the skill exaggerate, and it's like you're 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 basically like making a hyperbole, like how the danger of this person that they called out. It's like, oh, people are more susceptible to to vote for that person because they're like, oh, maybe you're making a good point about the hyperbole that you just made. Like there could be a risk to this person, or like uh, say someone tries to like uh, uh, suspect you, and you can like kind of make like a, a baby face response like a like kind of like regret or like a, a, a wimpy or whimpering response of like to get people to sympathize with you like oh no 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 don't and you can even person. retaliate yes or you can retaliate so that, that think about those skills in that game but in that manner instead of like traditional rpg skills it's like conversational skills that you would employ during like a debate and that's how they get game uh gamify it so in it's like, straight up an rpg like yeah it, it is there's it it I would I would even go as far to say it's it's probably a really good introduction quote unquote visual novel because it is mostly game like it is a logic puzzle that you're doing the entire time. Yeah, it's it's all it's all like uh like logic deduction essentially. So uh, as uh, Colin mentioned, like at the start of these loops, eventually, like you know, within the first twenty loops, like it'll be tutorial like slowly teaching you these mechanics. It's it's a, it's a mechanically dense game, but eventually, um you'll be able to tinker with your settings uh, in between each loop. And the thing that really um, makes this more intricate than, let's say, like an Among Us, but it's it's more akin to like a, a, st a standard werewolf game, is there are actual roles at play that you can switch on or off uh, in between. And to run down these roles uh, briefly is there are engineers, and there can only be one of these at a time, but there are certain like exceptions to this. There could be an, uh, an engineer who... Uh, at the start of a or, or any time during a round, like um, report, like, hey, uh, due to my findings, this person, this one person, I can identify, uh, I can tell you is either a human or a nausea. Uh, a doctor who can say, hey, the person that we put to, uh, to cold sleep, uh, yes, like last round, they're either human or nausea. There's an AC follower, and that this stands for anti cosmic follower, and that's a whole world thing. Um, where they they're human, but they support the Nosia's cause, and that allows them to lie. So both AC followers and Nosia's have the unique ability to lie. Humans cannot lie, like crew members, engineers, doctors, they cannot lie. But AC followers and Nosia's can lie, and also, and so they can lie. They can pretend to be 
other roles. So a no CR or an AC follower can come out and say, oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, I'm a doctor and whatnot. And, and they can manipulate the like the course of like conversations and throw off like the trail off of like actual nausea. Yeah, and this gets complicated too because when like someone says, "Hey, all engineers, please step up," like there can be one or two or three, even three engineers that I've step seen up. four. Oh, really? Oh, both. Those oh, guys? yeah. Wow. It, That's crazy. In this, because uh, for fun little context, so I've been playing this game pretty. Like I've been playing a bunch of this game. I was on loop 150 and then I somehow saved over or like I, I, I think I did like I accidentally hit new game when I wasn't looking and saved over my file. So I've been replaying it. Basically, I stayed, I stayed up until 6 a.m. playing this. And on this time around, I found up to four engineers at once. That's crazy. And I because I think um and because I don't know if you were building up to it, but there's one more role, which is really fun that they oh, kind of yeah. throw in there to add more spice into the whole werewolf game. Mm-hmm. and it's and, a bug yeah and and the bug role is uh think about if people played werewolf it's like the fox in werewolf where the fox doesn't really care if the nosia or the human win in this it's uh one of them meets an ending condition and the bug is still there and then therefore if the nosia or human win but the bug wasn't uh put into cold sleep or eliminated somehow then the bug wins because they're they're like the x factor the things that shouldn't exist in this loop so what the bug actually does, if they survive till the end, whether it's no ser human win, they just destroy the whole universe. That's they it. essentially take their ball and go home. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, so oh. that that's the that's the crazy part. And that's how and how you would like uh, take care of bugs is much like how Nosia would eliminate humans in their sleep, engineers actually have to like observe a person who is a bug or or either a uh, engineer has to observe a bug and then that's how they squash them. It's like, okay. You're neither a human or a nosia. There's something wrong with you, and that's how the bug gets eliminated. So, like, you'll uh, wake up from like a night into a new like round, and like two people will be gone, which means the engineer found a bug. Yeah, the nosia eliminated one person, and the nose and the engineer eliminated the bug. So that's how two people can be eliminated. Oh wait, and there's also guardian angel. I don't know if you mentioned that. Oh yeah, and and, and the last role uh, here is the guardian angel, and all they do is they can choose a person in between um, rounds uh, uh, when everyone goes to sleep at night and they can choose to protect one person from a Nosia attack. So if a Nosia attacks the person that the Guardian Angel so happens to choose, they won't be able to uh, complete it. So there'll be night uh, rounds where it's like, it'll say no one has been attacked or no one was eliminated. And then you'll go into the next rounds, And then that'll signify to you that one, there's a Guardian Angel in this game and two, they chose right and they were able to fend off the Nosia attack. And that's that's kind of like where the real meat is in this game is uh you choose how you modify your experience and also um how you gain events. And uh, as Khaled and I uh, were saying in this game, like the more the obviously the what you want to do is try to win each loop. But the grander objective in this uh game is whether win or lose you still get experience points after each loop. Like you, if you lose, that doesn't mean that you're you get you get zero experience. You still get something out of it. But obviously, if you win or you last longer, you get more experience points. And you're always building. Uh, basically, like like Josh saying, you're always building off of your experience. You're always like every failure is still like most games with this kind of iterative structure. Each failure helps build off of like more future future successes. And what's interesting 
is that unlocking events is not as simple as win the round. There are specific events or like specific things you can do where sometimes you'll have to lose the round. Sometimes you'll have to collaborate with this person and then maybe lose the round or win the round. Sometimes you have to collaborate with someone who ends up being a nausea. Sometimes you have to like, because I know SQ, uh, one of the characters has two different events on making it to the end with her. If you've collaborated with her as a nausea and a human. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that, that's the, that's the interesting thing is like the, those uh, events look like they look like the same and then they start up, but they're totally separate. Like I, I actually encountered the other uh, SQ event that like started up that looked like a quote unquote bad end with her, but it was actually like, Oh no, this is actually like the quote unquote good version of how this, uh, thing can go her and bad I'll, ending is really funny <laughs> oh my god dude. <laughs> I said that friend, like oh yeah i'm gonna get this game yeah um, she like she just pulls out like a collar the fun thing about this game is that it is a very hard game to spoil because like everyone's roles are random every time yeah so, there's just, like there's no, nothing stagnant in this game everything's it's always it's always dynamic it's always different it's interesting like the the level of variance you get out because i was speaking with my friend who started this game up and it was interesting um to hear him like he didn't unlock event search uh yet and event search is something you eventually unlock where like which is basically the meat of the game yeah is what you're going to be doing yeah so like eventually you know you'll they'll ask you okay to to find new events you know you're gonna have to have specific like setups for this loop like it's only gonna need this amount of people with this amount of nosha, and then you either flow and then it'll toggle for you. Okay, there there could be an engineer, but no doctors, no AC followers, a bug, and no guardian angel. Like the, the specific setups like that for events, and like the game is very good at like pre-configuring that for you once you unlock the event search uh, feature. And basically, all you do is you hit a button, and it'll scroll through a list of combinations. Like it'll basically it'll randomly give you a combination list, which will give you an event. Now, the thing is, the game will not tell you what you need to do with this combination of characters. So this is a good thing or a bad thing, because you might accidentally end up where you like vote off or you kill someone you need for an event at the beginning and you won't even notice. So we were talking about this before the podcast started. I have, for better or worse, I've never played a game that is so accurately represented the idea of being in a time loop like this one. Yes. Uh, it, Be it, it, because, like, the, the way, like, every, while each loop is different in the, in the sense of, like, um, what, like, who gets voted off, who's the actual human in Noshia this round, like, it's never like, hey, I'm on loop 60, it's always this person. It's always going to be something different. What they say to each other, how they... Uh, communicate how they like you know how they uh, throw each other in the bus whatnot like you you'll get, you'll get to a point in this game where you're just kind of like going through the text boxes because you already know what they're gonna say because you've seen it I, so many times okay I'm glad you're saying this because I also felt I like I, I was wondering if I was alone on this when it comes down to discussions I'm not even reading what they're saying because you're able to just understand what so you're just going through like, like, for example, when like you can do a fun skill where it's like, oh, every human. And if your intelligence or whatever that skill is, um, intuition, what's the one? And if your intuition is high enough, you have a chance to see if someone's lying. So you basically so everyone's like, I'm human, I'm human, I'm human. And the game might stop on someone 
and like there's a, this weird effect and you there's know like the an inver- inverted smear on, on there uh, that on a frame uh, during that it's kind of interesting how they it's... signify that this game is cool like yeah you really do get the sense of like you the you uh, you've known these people for a long time and you know that they're gonna say like the same shit but that's what it feels like to be a time traveler you know <laughs> yeah and it's cool because you start to and especially in this second playthrough i've unwillingly done where you know how people act you know that this person is often likely to get voted out immediately Poor unless someone does dude. Shigamichi yeah. always. <laughs> Shigamichi is all him and uh uh what's his name? Uh Shaming. Sha Ming. Sha Ming. They're the first to go unless you do something. Yeah, dude. Still, uh, so the 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 really, really cool thing about this game too is that the visual design and character design of this game is unreal. It's like, gorgeous. I, I love it. Whoever did the illustration for that is it's lovely. I and not I, just that, the soundtrack is oh, yeah. I, I just want to interject. I will say, sorry. No, I think I just wanted to. Two engineers stood out. It's been it's been awesome to hear you two like kind of gush about this and go over all the details. But I just wanted to say that the art like really is quite striking. Whenever I see like a news post and it's like the thumbnail, or we see like marketing for it, it is very distinct and it's what draws my eye to the game. And, and I didn't even know how it played until you guys started talking about it. And so what's that, cool is that so sorry to interrupt you. I was like yeah. speaking about the art, so we don't like get away from that. I just want to say there is a surprisingly large amount of unique CG images drawn for all the different characters. Mm-hmm. So you'll be seeing unique art way more often than you might think. Yeah, and and my son made, uh, said that this is like when the Mass Effect crew like play Among Us like way back. Like I I I meant in the sense that like. Every every person's game isn't necessarily like human, like on their in their appearance. Like Shigamichi that we're just talking about, he looks like your standard typical like alien UFO alien, like yeah, like Area Fifty One. Well, yeah, someone's a dolphin. Yeah, one of those a talking dolphin, and she she's adorable. She's like she has like this uh, like helmet on and uh, filled with water, and then like uh, and then written like in like a uh, pink highlighter on that helmet. It's like Otome, which is her name with like a heart at the end. I yeah. feel really bad because yeah. she's usually one of the first people I vote out when I don't know who to pick. <laughs> but I was gonna yeah, what I was gonna say is that the character designs are really interesting. Like you were talking about the dolphin, the fact that like you see her fins in like the spacesuit, and then there's like mm-hmm. mechanical fingers on the tips. It's like really inventive. And uh, what I really um I think there's really important what, what this game does where when you can pick a character creation. You pick a, you can pick a male. You can choose to identify, identify as a male, female, or non-binary. And also, uh, like there's a handful of people in this game that are identify as non-binary or pan or whatnot, and like, they cool. don't make a, they, they don't make a big deal about it. They're just like they're just people, you know. It's cool and whatnot, and you learn more about them. And interesting things like prop up about this game because this game is like not just like being on a space station. And it's like there's only Earth. There's all sorts of, like different. You learn about the planets, like these people. Yeah, these people are from, and you'll hear just like in passing by in different events in conversation that like there's like all these sorts of different alien life forms out there, and and as Colin was getting at, like different cultures. Like one of the things I I I learned like early on was like there's this whole culture that like spends like their their life just counting their fingers. I think. What? Yeah, I've seen that event. Yeah. There's a really what? funny event because this also takes place in the future. So there's a there's an event you can do where you can watch a movie with one of the um 
the main characters uh who's also going through these loops with you basically you are the only two who knows what's going on so you're watching a movie and uh shigamichi shows up and he's like hey aren't you gonna hold uh setsu's hand that's what you do when you watch movies you hold hands right because this takes place in the future and they only have a vague idea what happened in the past so then the scene fades out and it's like you you spent the entire movie holding uh setsu and shigamichi's hands oh i haven't got to that yet i can't wait it's so good yeah Uh, just um if you're like for that one just make sure you hit let's play if you're uh see a scene with setsu okay it's a bit hard to miss but it's like it's really it's really good I'm so confused, but I love the enthusiasm. Like it's um, thing I see for the rest of us. It's, it's, it's one of those games that you won't really get until you play it. That's the hard part about this game. Yeah, it is like nothing. I imagine like ninety five percent of people who are, including the people in here listening to us, like it makes sense in our heads because we played a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, but that's but the, that's the thing. Josh, like, are you going to write a review for it? Yeah, I, I don't know. If, okay, yeah. so you like. You're probably in the same boat. How the fuck do you review this game? Yeah, dude, it, it has the has the weird thirteen sentinels problem. Where like you, it's it's so easy. You got to, it. You, it's so easy to talk about this game for people who like are playing it or have played it. But to everyone else listening around in the room, it's like you guys are you sound insane right what now. What are yeah? What are you talking about? Like I'm, I I've played way too much of this game, and eventually you just like. I, I was uh, I was I was visiting my girlfriend recently because she we wanted to like work on stuff together and I was just sitting here playing this and she was just watching me not knowing what I was doing because I just just my brain kind of shuts off and it's muscle memory at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the weird part too. Like you can't but if you're playing if you're watching someone play who's played it a lot, you won't be able to like keep up with them because they're probably just thumbing through everything because they oh, already yeah. know in their heads why you're just like, I don't get, you're not even li- like reading what they're saying anymore. It's like, Oh, I already know what they're saying. Don't worry. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, and that actually it's, um, I wanted to like, cause I imagine we need to move on soon, but there's one thing I wanted to bring up and it's that, um, and it kind of has to do with what you're mentioning earlier about all the different, uh, like the non-binary stuff, mm-hmm. the translation's weird. Yeah, they're really they're they're pretty good at the employing they them pronouns for the nine non-binary folks, but there is still I, like weird wonky translation uh quirks I've around this seen game. them slip up a couple times oh, with they? stuff like that. And like that's the the thing is um because this game does not have voice acting, it is very difficult. I think that it's going to probably be a while before anyone does any actual like comparisons between the original script and the English. I want to say that any slip ups are not out of malice. And it's just because the translation is very strange. The the, yeah. the, in, the in-game manual in this game, like it, it's, I, I think I got a rough start to this game because I, it took a while for me to warm up to it uh, because like, I, I was like, Oh, this game has an in-game manual. Let me go check it out. And they're pretty in depth at how the game is played before like he introduces it to you so it felt overwhelming but the same it felt very hard because like the the translation of the in-game manual like really slips up has like some typos has some words smashed together and like some of like like the key roles like say how they uh, identify true ed- true engineer from like the other engineers and whatnot like the, there'll be like a sense like the true engineer is like you know different from the true engineer it's like wait that doesn't make any sense i i didn't even read the manual <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, because because the whole manual like go, explains like even the whole like um, factor of the game that doesn't spell it uh, outright. Whereas there's the an amicability and like a hatred um, like 
system at play behind the scenes, but it never tells you outright. In I do, I do kind of like how there's there's a lot of stuff going basically going on under the hood that it just never tells you about, and it's just kind of like just to make the whole like experience feel more human, mm-hmm. but. It is very strange. Uh, there's a lot of reused dialogue, and I don't know how much that's intentional, and it doesn't always like work well together. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, and one of the things where it's like I'm not sure about is because um, when they mentioned about one of the characters being Pan, I'm like, is that the exact word you mean to use right here? Because I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if you've seen the um, was it there's the, like the, one was of the shower scene, the shower scene. Okay. With um, uh, what is comet? What is was comet or Rockio? No, Rockio, uh, Rockio. Where I'm not sure what the intention was there because the translation is very weird. Yeah, I agree with you there. And and when you look at the notes and the the notes after that make more sense. But I, uh, it I too was like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like because that. the the notes for that scene is they say Rockio is like it's like technically I'm trying to remember the phrasing. Honestly, I have my switch. It's like, I, I think it, I don't want to spoil like uh, like what it, what the note says, but it's, it's oh, like yeah. biologically and then physically but, blank. Okay, yes, technically physically blank, and I'm like, I don't. What it? What do you? Because <laughs> I I feel I it's one of those things like am I dumb am I am I the one who's like who you should feel like bad about like not knowing what they're trying to maybe yeah, more I think it's sure. the translation because and and the translation makes stuff like that a bit difficult to discover it's like because I think this game is well intentional like I think yes. they mean well but the translation say, yeah sorry. what's up. Can I just say that it's really cool that um, a lot of these Japanese games are coming out and actually like showcasing like uh, non-binary and whatnot characters? Because like oh, hearing yeah. this, like it, and Nosha is really cool. And like I know when I was playing through Lab and Fugaria, there's like intersex and non-binary like uh, um, different uh, facets you can have for your uh, characters. There's a not a huge like NPC that's like in the story that's like actually like trans. It's like really cool to see that stuff coming out of Japan now. It's really cool to see. Oh, absolutely. Like I'm pretty sure like one of the, the main uh, Setsu, the main, uh, one of the main characters is non-binary. Like as yeah. like you look at their, uh, like their data sheet, like from early on and it'll like, it'll say like, Oh, gender not available. And like, it's, and, and the nice thing about that is like, they never like, like, put like special attention to it in the game it's like it's yeah okay no everyone's cool with it because everyone's unique everyone is like a different species and there's so much going on and there's so many unique little scenes that pop up right like they put so much attention to detail i wouldn't be surprised if they had like a bible of information for this world and then just picked little bits and pieces of that like there's so many like unique different things that can happen like one of them is like oh like in discussion randomly if you have these two characters together and they're both (laughs) pretending to be engineer they're like well fuck it let's game it out and then like after the discussion if they're alive it cuts to them just playing video games together like against each other and then one of them's like yeah i was able to beat you because i'm a nausea and everyone's like what? <laughs> and then the hard cuts, and it's just like they were put in the cold sleep. Oh shit! It's so funny. We we should probably wrap this up. Oh yeah, I'll just say that the 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 funniest. I need to get this game. It's it's the, good. It's way better than I I was ever expecting. The, the funniest, when I was reading through the go, go ahead, Josh. 
Yeah, I, I'll just say as a, as a final note, like uh, the, the funniest like comparing notes moment was uh, me and another friend playing it was he didn't unlock the events search feature yet. And like he was telling me about like, oh, shit, did you uh, uh, see this event? Like uh, there's a certain character in this game, like like that incident happened. I'm like, wait, what? It's like I've heard about this incident. Someone like, said like, you know. Uh, a character in game told me about this incident, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, it made me question this incident, but I was like, I. That, but they kept it under wraps for me. It's like, oh, this person has already seen that incident before even getting this feature. I and think I know I the. That, well, yeah, I, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Is it with um? Actually, you should DM me that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 probably the what we're thinking about. It's it's. Well, because it, the interesting about that that scene. Is that it's not just like it's not the character being like, hey, do you remember this? It's like two different things, and you can question both. Yeah, and uh -huh. then you don't. Oh yeah, that's the one. That one. Yeah. That scene was so cool. Yeah, dude. God, that scene was cool. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we sound like crazy people. We get yeah. it. Yeah, it, it, I just say that like um, the 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 narrative is freeform and variant enough to like you can like even even as Colin is saying like some certain things i'm like oh i haven't encountered that yet but that sounds amazing he's not really spoiling it for me it just makes me wanna it excites me to go play more of it oh yeah like it's it's just this i honestly talking to josh about it's kind of made me just like it more <laughs> seriously because, <Yeah. laughs> like, because it has flaws there are definitely glaring issues with like how this game is but it is so charming and it's it's a very social game which i think the developers were intending mm -hmm. honestly like listening to you get to talk about it i can totally see why IGN japan settled on a 10 out of 10 for it because it sounds like like nothing else out there it's entirely I'm, unique i'm wondering if maybe like the Japanese script is a bit tighter and weaves together a bit better to get those 10 out of 10s because I, there are I think, definite. Hmm? I think if I play it, I might actually play it in Japanese. I might that just be a bad idea. Version. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's when probably I, the most when unfortunate was... thing about the game is probably it's like, it's like the localization is okay, but it's like, it could have been so much more than okay. It's weird. Yeah. Cause sometimes this, the lines read really great. And then sometimes they're very weird. So it bounces back and forth. And I think it needed another editing pass. When I was first looking at the podcast document for this, I wasn't aware that Nojo was going to be like <laughs> the highlight. So I'm going to go ahead because we already talked about how great the art is. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put it in a thumbnail for the Tetracast. Good. That's, that's on you guys. I'm sure Josh <laughs> and I could send you like numerous cool <laughs> screenshots to put up. Oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that, but it was really cool to see all the enthusiasm for it. So, uh, who has been boxed out here? I guess James and Adam. Let's see. Do you guys have maybe one thing that you want to highlight from this week? Um, um, I'll, I'll hand it off to James first. I mean, I mostly just played Bravely Default 2. Not too much to talk about that hasn't already been said. Uh, obviously, Fair we enough. put up the uh, casual mode for it where I played like the first like hour or so. Um, I did play the Resident Evil 8 PS5 demo. Uh, not too much to say there. It's a visual showcase and whatnot. It's interesting, but it's also like 15 minutes. So again, not too much to talk there. I, th I think the bummer from that for that demo from was I, I preferred the Resident Evil 7 demo when they first uh, put that out. Yeah, I would agree. I, I played the 8 demo and I was like, yeah, I can't wait for 8. But I think the lack of combat, weirdly as it sounds, like even the small glimpse that you get in 7 when you can fight that thing down in the basement, 
that was kind of enough. And then in eight, I was just kind of like, I know you can get killed by the one of the vampires, but I was just like, Meh. especially since that's seemingly the focus of eight with the like dodging kick and stuff. I, I I'm not a big fan of that style of Resident Evil, and that's why I I'm probably not going to pick this up right away, and because it, it feels like a weird backstep because I didn't like seven, but mm-hmm. I loved remake two and three. Yeah, yeah, man. Two, so two, it's like but seven. Oh my god, I love that game. Because like, because the whole thing with seven is that you're supposed to be like really scared, but I I didn't get scared. I got annoyed really quick at everything. And because there's no way to really defend yourself, it's just kind of like, eh. maybe I'll give it another shot one day. But I, I, I'm hope there's more of a new Resident Evil game in the style of the remakes, aka well, you know, remake of four. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, honestly, I'm I'd be excited for a remake of four. As controversial oh, oh. as that take is, oh, no, the perfect game though, man. <laughs> I, I, I just want to see because again, I. I love Resident Evil 3. I love Resident Evil 2. Oh, uh, remakes of both of those. So I'm like, I'd like to see what they could do. It's I, probably going to be fun. I would like to see uh, an integrate of 4. Mm, yeah. But I like I just I want to see that team work on a new Resident Evil game, like a brand new game because they know how to they know how to do it. They know what they're doing. I, I think I think they're too stuck onto like the the how they split up Resident Evil inadvertently into trios of like one through three was a certain style, four uh, four through six was a certain style. Now they're only gonna they're gonna stick with this first person style till nine, and then we'll see what Resident Evil ten looks like. I hope not, but I, I, you I know think, I people think seem to like it. Yeah. And then uh, last but not least, Adam, did you have anything you wanted to talk about this week? Uh, for the sake of time, I'll just talk about it next week. Fair oh, enough. No. Uh oh. <laughs> now we now I feel bad. Uh-oh. No, it's fine. It's just that it's really not tied to any schedule or anything. So I can talk about time is a time is a limited resource. It's fair enough. I'll have to make sure to talk about some of the because I had two things on my docket, but I don't need to talk about them at all because I talked way too much about everything else. But I will also talk about those next week. Well, this is also this is kind of inevitable when we have six people here. So it happens. Though I do know that Josh has one more thing to talk about that we are obligated to talk about because he wrote something for it. That sounds cynical, oh. but I don't mean it that way. Yeah. John, um, tell me about uh, Neptunia Virtual Stars. All right. Uh, everyone's been <laughs> waiting for a new Neptunia game. And uh, well, what better way for a new Neptunia game to come out than to have one with her and all her buddies in the um, game industry uh, interweave with the world of VTubers? Everyone's heard of VTubers here, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of enthusiasm. I, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know two of them by name. <laughs> okay, who do you know? I'm friends. Krome Inugame. Do I have that right? Or Inugame Krone? Okay, all right. That's that's one. And uh, shit, I thought I knew a second one. Oh, Gargura. Gargura. Yeah. There you go. I yeah. know most of the Hall Live English ones, I feel like. All right, we have an expert on, on the panel here. I, I just want to say that I am not like super cynical against VTubers. Like, I it's just that I don't watch streaming much in general. So, just a subset of streaming ga- video games, just naturally. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with them. I, I, I always, yeah. I always like to I, fun, but they're, they're I will cool. say, I will say that I like Gura because she's very good at rhythm games. All right, I'm a simple man. I see a streamer that likes rhythm games. I like. Rock on, dude. I know there's a VTuber that's like apparently a, a monster woman. Uh, that's about all I know about VTubers. Well, 
I, I'm sure there's all sorts of VTubers for every um, occasion. Yeah. <laughs> occasion. <laughs> so this one is very, uh, it, it starts off with, uh, you know, this is whole pop virtual realm of uh, where VTubers reside. It's like, oh no, we're getting uh, taken over by this uh, other um, nation called Obsoletia and they're making our content obsolete. So uh, Neptunia. <laughs> So you know, obviously, obviously, obsolete content means death. So uh, that the the goddess of this land is like, oh, we need heroes and saviors to uh, rid us of this menace. So well, what better way for uh, Neptune, Noir, Blanc, and Wirt to uh, get uh, uh, transported in along with these, with these two original game VTubers called I, I shit you not, they're literally called Me and You. That's their names. <laughs> Yeah, and it's spelled it's, it's, called, it's spelled me M E and U Y O U. So uh, does, this, uh, does this work better in like Japanese or? I, I so that's the thing. I don't know if this works better anywhere. That they're I think their um their duo name uh for like their VTuber channel is called like um, us. oh was it Vutune <laughs> or something? I forgot uh, or you uh, is something like that. And then I I, I so it's probably a, a pun that works better in Japanese. So they they're all transported in. And it's like okay, here's the deal. You gotta help us. It's like all right, let's go. So you're tra you're traveling to these stages in the game uh, to get rid of the 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 great eight or or whatnot. And they're like the like the top generals of this uh, Obsolidia nation. And they're all kind of riffs on um, uh, like popular culture these days. Like there's like a stage stage that's like a that's like stylized as like a Twitter utopia, which is a nightmare. Oh Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, there's one that's style. Actually, James, there's one that's like stylized like a, like a dark library, but uh, a lot of the panel panels is like the the dive to the hard sequences in Kingdom Hearts, where you have like that mosaic in the ground, and you're fighting Dark Side. Don't try and drag me into this. I'm just saying, man, that's that's what it was. Uh, <laughs> the one that I liked the most was the stage where it's just like it's just it was uh, very uh, food based, and like all your platforms were pancakes, and there was like oversized strawberries and whipped cream everywhere it's like all right finally a stage that i can get behind so the 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 the, the flow ebb and flow of this game is that it's not a turn-based rpg like standard neptunia games um there's an action rpg where you control both the vtubers and the four goddesses but they have different play styles and you can switch between them seamlessly in battle where the four goddesses are like a third person shooter uh where they all have different types of guns and they all work differently. Like Neptune has a, a like a, a rapid shooter kind of, but all her shots are are low damage. And um, Blanc has a, this shotgun esque uh, weapon where she can charge it up for a lot of damage and whatnot. And then, meanwhile, the VTubers, the VTuber duo, uh, is like more of a standard hack and slash, where me has a sword and you has uh, a bow. And this is this is like a who's on first shit. <laughs> I'm glad that you're explaining this and that someone on the site is suffering through these games because everything you're saying is just like white noise to me when it comes to <laughs> Neptunia. Uh, so and the both of these game modes don't feel great to control at all. It's a very floaty game. It tries to be an action RPG, but what I like about action RPGs is like kind of like the weight. Uh, of like your blows and swings and like a smooth combat. Nothing about this combat is really smooth. Um, so like the, when even like hit stunning enemies, like there's like no like impact or no like response from an enemy when you hit them, unless like with the uh, 
goddesses, when you shoot them, there's like this circular meter that fills up. And when you uh, fill that up, then they're dazed for like a few seconds and whatnot. And then another uh, big thing about this game is like there's like these real guest VTubers uh, that, you know, are quote unquote real VTubers. Obviously, VTubers themselves aren't like the characters themselves aren't real, but there are real people behind them. Um, so that you know, they have like some of the hollow live people like uh Hosho Marine and Sakura Miko, and um, who's the uh, who's the other one that people like? Uh, Shirakami Fubuki, something the, sure. And and then I guess the, the they have the hollow live people, and then they have all these other VTubers that I have no idea. I, at least hollow live, I kind of get because people like retweet them a lot but the, all the other VTubers are like kind of like independent VTubers or like part of like VTuber companies that don't really have a great Western presence, I would say. So, I mean, uh, as, as I mentioned in the review, I guess may, maybe the value in this game is exposing those um, like lesser known VTubers to like a Western audience that like, you know, maybe they'll, they'll cling to. But other than that, like it, there's like exploration in this game is very boring. Um, the combat itself is boring. Like all you're doing in stages, like trying to find a way forward by flipping levers and switches, and like you'll unlock this barrier. All of the boss battles takes place in like the same dull arena, like a dull open space arena. the The whole gimmick in boss battles is, hey, there are vocal tracks um, playing in them, so it's full anime. And like, uh, there's like a seek bar of like the the song in there, and at certain points of the song, you'll be powered up, or the boss will be powered up. And then you kind of like uh, shoot them or hit them till crystals pop out. And then collecting those crystals will allow you to uh, enter this resonance mode, and which, all, which you continue to do the same thing. And then you do a super team attack. And then usually after that, you can do another super team attack. And then after that, you can usually do another super team attack until until they're dead. And nothing really like is kind of significant or fun about this game i would say hmm. um there's like it tries to do a lot with a little and so it tries to do those two gameplay modes it tries to do like a mini base building enhancement mechanic for like the little shops in the hub world it has like a little um mini game with like that has like a rhythm element to it that feels shitty to control somehow <laughs> um uh the, the, you can like dress up all your characters like with these like accessories uh and whatnot and make them look goofy and you can unlock passives on them. It's like okay, great, but um, uh, this is—it wasn't expl- a pleasant experience to really play through. It was more of a curiosity, I guess, and then it didn't really pan out. Uh, so eight of eight out of ten. Obviously, every yeah. game eight out of ten. Eight out, every game eight out of ten. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I gave it up for on the site, which is like that. There is merit to this game. I just think it was boring. <laughs> It sounds miserable from what you've just described. <laughs> I, I will say it, it, it was definitely one of those like, ah, uh, you know, this is this is a type of game. I'll, I'll put myself in front of the, the firing range that nothing of what you just said sounded appealing. I probably would have been much harsher on this game. Don't worry, Josh. At least it was an Ark of Alchemist, one of Metacritic's certified 10 lowest games of 2020. I still, I still wonder what that game looks and runs like on Switch, man. It, I, I mean, I posted a WebM before. You like, oh yeah, you did. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. I um, right. I remember we got um, I I played through one of the Neptunia games mm. on Switch, 
and it ran so badly. It was like the last one they put out. It was like a remake of one of the PS4 ones, and it's just it was probably the worst performing game I've ever seen on the system. <laughs> Wasn't a Neptunia game the first released PS5 exclusive or to be released? To be released, uh, it was already released in in, in Japan, but uh, we'll get around to it in news. So for the PS5 exclusive Neptunia experience, go 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 slash reverse, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Sometimes these Neptunia games, like I have my soul feels titles. dead during this discussion. <laughs> uh, Fucking what is the series? It's I don't know. This it, is feels poison. Like a, it feels like a shit post that has gone on too long. Like it's one of those games. It's it, it always surprises me about this game that it had a really terrible first PS3 game, but allowed to continue existing because overseas sales was good for it. Yeah, no, since you said shitpost, it's funny. It's like someone it's like someone on Twitter made a like a really funny tweet and then made that their identity. That feels like, like that was their personality from there on is just re just saying the same tweet with different words. The, and the, it's like, okay, the joke's the joke's dead. We gotta go move on. What else do you got? It was yeah, like, no, what, look what, at what is the RPG site personality? It, it had a it had a novel premise and then like it just it just it doesn't have a it doesn't have an identity anymore. It feels like because the 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 whole thesis of Neptunia from the top is like, hey, there's these personified game consoles. Are we gonna like like reenact the console war in a really in a parody manner? And like and what and the main protagonist is a console that never never got released. So I'll be honest on on its surface, that sounds like eh, maybe you could do something compelling then, with this. Yeah, it's it kind of okay. And then like and then now that has lost relevancy. It's like oh. I got, I always think it's like if you were to th like think of like a new or expand the Neptunia concept to be more relevant these days, you need to have like anime girl representations for like Game Pass, for uh, <laughs> Amazon Luna, for Stadia, and like YouTubers right. even. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, it's already been filled. They they already covered that. Stadia right. is in like ratty clothes that are that don't fit very well. So Stadia is just a grave. Oh. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was not trying to go like so hammer on head, but I'm just like just hearing about Neptunia has unwakened like it's just this meanness inside me. I just like just bitter like whatever <laughs> fucking Neptunia. It's fair, I, I won't blame anyone. You know, <laughs> Josh, like, I, I respect you from like yeah, I Josh, I respect you for putting yourself through these games, but holy fuck! So I don't want to like poo-poo on someone's favorite thing or anything but this is just anecdotal on my part but like whenever i tweet about neptunia now i feel like it's just like doesn't engage very well anymore with just like our twitter audience i don't know yeah. it, it, this is anecdotal but i don't know if maybe people are just like waiting for the next mainline one or what i don't know i think that, that's probably it too because the last mainline one was like 2016 or 2015 or something and then yeah it's, it's been years and years of like Shitty spinoffs like Neptunia mm -hmm. Virtual Stars. Remember Neptunia RPG? Oh god, no. Canada was supposed to save Neptunia. What happened? Yeah, it was a Canadian studio. <laughs> well, I just figured out that um, Amazon Japan now sells uh, digital uh, PlayStation like Japanese cards uh, as long as you have a Japanese address on your account. So since I have a uh, forwarder, one up. Well, since I have a forwarder on my account since when I imported that PS4 Pro, I am now 
getting PSN credits for uh, buying Noja on uh, Vita. Nice. I remember I like that, like, immediately take a chance and not talk about Neptunia. Oh, that's why he wanted to buy Nozia on, in, on, I, um, in Japanese, so you get the Vita version. It, it's funny, because my, uh, technically, my Amazon Japan account says I live in, like, I think it's, like, a metro or something. Because <laughs> I, I, I made one so I could buy uh, the uh, digital copy of, like, SMT4 Final when that came out ages ago. And I just never got rid of that address because it's just really convenient. RPG I guess, site game of the year 2016. That's right. Uh, I guess good um, game though. Well, before we move on, I, I just want to quickly mention because it'll be old news by the time the next podcast comes out. Was um, they are hoping holding an open beta test for uh, the, the Japan Japan only release of Yeast Six Online: The Ark of Nepishtim. Uh, uh, it is Yeast Six. Uh, remade into a mobile MMO. And so you start that game by making a character and you choose one of four classes, a swordsman, a wizard, a, a thief, an archer, that can uh, level up into more like two more advanced jobs. It is really funny because that game starts with um, Olha, I think Isha or, or whoever, Finding Adolf ship uh, shipwrecked on the beach, of course, and then uh, right beside him is your player made character passed out alongside with him. <laughs> you know what? That reminds me. Tell me the it's, game it's, is at least good. It's surprisingly okay. Like, All I'm, right, I'm I'm actually not having a terrible time with it, though it is not as snappy as you want East to be. It's kind of like slow moving, unfortunately, and and, and you get around by um, moving like you know a virtual jo- joystick on your phone. And you have like this button to attack and do special skills on the uh, other corner. Yeah, it's, it's you know what that. that reminds me of, even though it's a completely different style of game. The Lord of the Rings, the Third Age, oh, where it's oh, yes. like following the story of the movie. And like, by the way, these uh, video game characters, like the player party, is like literally in lockstep behind them. They were also here the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that's what it feels like because your character's kind of like spectating Adol's like what he's doing. It's like, it's like <laughs> you jump in and then Adolf becomes your party member. And then event like early on, you'll, um, you, you see like other players running around too, as you're playing this game and you see like messages up top, like of them getting items or something. So, and you, like you have like a gear score as well. So you're equipping like these cards that the monsters drop, um, almost like Ragnarok online. And then like their soul cards that you equip them to your equipment and they raise your gear score. And then there'll be a, a point in the game where you go into a dungeon. And there's actually like a damage meter, like a damage parser that you can keep track of because like uh, the, this is a multiplayer game. So you can keep track of like if your party members are putting up the, their like worth <laughs> during it. Pulling their weight, yeah. Yeah, and at some point there'll be like mandatory like group quests in it where you have to like party of other people to progress. It's such a weird thing of like who said it like a meet it's like, yeah, we should make E6 into an MMO. Like, yeah, because- like not only like just tying it to a single player existing RPG in the first place seems weird, but E6 out of all like it just seems like doubly weird. It, like, why E6? Why why in this manner? It's also really funny because like Adol speaks in full sentences here. Your character also <laughs> Adol, I mean, uh, your character also speaks as well. And in like the the party dialogue, you have like these beautiful illustrations for like Adol and the other uh, members. And then when it's time for your character to speak, it's just their three D model. Uh, <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> like I guess. 
aside, I think it's still kind of funny how Lord of the Rings, the third age that Ryan mentioned it is just like a complete clone of Final Fantasy X. It's just that it exists. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It's just it's so weird. The first game that makes you question the legitimacy of JRPG as any sort of real term with me, real meaning. So a quick it's update. It's literally Final Fantasy X. It's like the same. <laughs> yes, James. So a quick update. Um, the uh, workaround worked. I was able to buy Japanese PSN credit from uh, Amazon Japan. Hell right. yes. More Nosia, Genosia, Nosia talk next week. I hope yep. so. I'm, I'm ready. Hopefully I won't uh, oversave my uh, file again and I won't have to restart it again. Yeah, I'll have finished it. Uh, yeah, hopefully I've, I'll have finished it too. That's what I'm uh, working towards. It's, it's so engaging when you start getting into it. So obviously we don't have the big giant news deluge of a Nintendo Direct or a State of Play or even a Pokemon Presents this week, but we did have a New Game Plus Expo and a few other publisher streams, a lot of release dates, a lot of more niche titles. So this will be an interesting compliment on the news front compared to the last couple of Tetracasts. Uh, the biggest news of this week is Mistwalker and Sakaguchi, father of Final Fantasy. Uh, we there, This game has been in public development for a while now. This is Fantasian, which is a diorama adventure RPG for mobile made by Mistwalker for Apple Arcade. So I know Sakaguchi has been sharing like screenshots for this game for a few months now. But here it was like, this week was the first like real, real marketing dump where we got used to be just to clarify um, when Apple Arcade was like first like showcased, like I think all the way back in 2019, they showed Fantasian back then, like, you know, in like, a, you know, a reel of all the other games. It just that was like when it was announced. So it's been a yeah, few years. Uh, yeah, it's been development. Like it was like it, it felt like a concept back then because all, all the only mm -hmm. "Quote unquote" footage we had was like Saka, uh, Sakaguchi, like move, like showing like the handcrafted environments of this game. So this week we got basically a uh, two-minute story trailer, about a one-minute feature trailer, or sorry, two-minute feature trailer, a bunch of screenshots, a bunch of artwork, the premise of the story, basically the big like official unveiling for Fantasian. Uh, I guess. Maybe I'll just open it to the floor. How do we think about this? Mistwalker has been kind of quiet on the RPG front for a while now. This uh, makes so me mad we... at Apple device uh, so much. I think yeah. Cool. Is it coming to anything else or is it just Apple? Just Apple. Just do we not know? Yeah. It's uh, hopefully it comes to other platforms. I I really want to try this game. I think the coolest thing that they showed off um, was when they were introducing the battle system. It is a turn-based battle system. But there is a way, there's a, a mechanic called the Dimension Battle. In this game, so you can actually queue up random encounters because this has random encounters like old school RPGs. So as you're running around, there'll be like at the instance where a random battle would occur, it'll actually just go into like be stored into like a, a separate dimension, and you can queue up like feels like twenty random encounters. So like when you're ready to like if you want to start like uh, battling, you can like. Uh, initiate that and do all the battle encounters at once in there and it seems versatile enough where it won't take too long to like get through the battles as well and the, the battle system from what it looks like in the trailer was at like you can actually angle your attacks and their trajectory so one of the examples was i think there's like this wind spell i think or where you angle it so like it's it's hitting like this arc of enemies and then you initiate that you hit all the enemies at once in that trajectory 
Switch yeah, there's like a, there's some small. It's it looks pretty much like a turn-based RPG, but there is like a positioning element where if enemies are close to each other and your attack like lines through them, you can hit more than one at a time. And, and then the, the I was gonna I, say the main uh, exploration is like this isometric camera mm-hmm. because that's like the, the the handcrafted like dioramas. They say that like there's over 150 of them that have been created by the artist for the game and then like as you move through it the camera perspective will like shift to keep showing you like the most relevant uh kind of perspective on each individual map it looks and that, gorgeous. just yeah they said there's over 150 like literally handcrafted dioramas made by various international artists, like all around tonkatsu artists you know for like those live action shows in japan um whatever you call it, not not Power Rangers, but the Japanese version of it, um, stuff like that. And um, I actually was going back to some of the earlier footage for Fantasian, and there was actually a, a kind of a, an amusing quote from Sakaguchi where he was like, I'm not sure what I've gotten into and how many of these I'm going to have to make or have made. <laughs> and like, because the, literally like 150 just, these aren't like CG rendered or animated backgrounds. They're like constructed, like real things, dioramas. So <laughs> that's it's kind of cool. Like it makes it it definitely has a unique art style. The game looks um, dope as hell, but I don't have a um, Apple anything. Exactly. Yeah. Am I the only one here with an Apple device? No, yeah. I have one too, but oh. I feel like it's full on deaf ears for me. <laughs> so um, I, I'm. I, what is an Apple TV, and how do I get one? Like, is this like a big investment to play this game, or is it like something kind of like cheap I could just get and then? play it because i'm also really interested but i don't know i don't have any apple devices besides airpods you might be able to get iphone ipad mac apple tv i I heard you can play it with airpods just uh, download it to airpods (laughs) okay cool (laughs) well that's good um wait so i i was just um can you play this on like a mac yes okay all right maybe i believe because okay i might somehow find my way into getting a mac soon like a laptop so that's good then so in terms of a uh, story, we, uh, it's honestly probably the least interesting part of this, but um, it's like a character who's lost his memory. So that's not too, not, not too unique, but um, it's like, it's going to be like this mobile game, like storybook, like you gain new, like not like, a, it doesn't seem to be like one long storyline, but rather like individual little story snippets that are parts of this character's memory is kind of how the, content actually gonna go and i assume they might release like new ones after the game releases and so on i guess i guess to, to, to reassure audiences just to make it perfectly clear there's no gotcha elements no it doesn't seem to be okay yeah so and- the, the, the 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 actual press release wording for what adam's talking about was uh to tell an epic story a novel approach was used in the form of a memory system where players encounter and collect various memories, journal entries, and notes presented as miniature in-game novels to flesh out the story. These bite-sized novels have unique artwork, music, and sound effects. And then, of course, speaking of music, this game is composed by Nobuo Umatsu. It does sound echoes of Lost Odyssey's uh, dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Yes. Which is also Mistwalker, at least partially Mistwalker. I I think there was some um, talk, I don't know what the source was on this, but this this might possibly be like Uematsu's last fully composed, like uh, as he composes all the tracks in in a soundtrack. Like this might be what, like one of his last fully composed works as well. He's 
he's deserved, you know, his partial retirement. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what's the last full OST he did? Like Blue, Blue Dragon or Lost Odyssey? I heard so, he did uh, lo- uh the last 14, story 1.0. Well, oh yeah, he's done like a if few. Count that. Like he's done like a few individual tracks here and there. Like even in yeah, he's, he did, he did. and whatnot. So, did he have anything in Seven Remake at all, or no? I mean, obviously the well, remixes I mean, of his I, tracks. Oh, yeah, so. inherently he did. Yeah. So yeah, that's obviously not the whole thing, but definitely, of course, the track here and there. But uh, my final word on this is like this could be the game to get me to play an RPG on a mobile device. Even though I know I've said mm-hmm. that before, like with other games like Tales of Crystoria, I was kind of into like thinking trying, but the fact that this is like no gotcha, yeah. So, well, as of so far, uh, the fact that it just it looks more like a traditional RPG and it doesn't feel like so inherently like it feels like this game could it could have released on S- Switch or something, which I guess maybe that's another can of worms to even bring that up. But I, I see whole- no reason. Like I have an iPhone. This game looks interesting. I love RPGs. No reason not to try it. Are you sure you love RPGs, Brian? I don't know. Is that why I'm here? I mean, it's literally got... It, this is literally the classic Final Fantasy, like, heritage. Yeah. So. By the way, did they ever say any sort of, like, release window? I think it's all this TBA. I guess in the official, like, announcement, they didn't say anything. But last year in, like, their New Year's letter um, for two, 2021, they said 2021 is the year of Fantasia. So... I guess they're hoping to get it this year, but they didn't sort of, they didn't really like explicitly state, yes, it's coming out this year. I mean, which is fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to like start kicking down doors if it's not up this year, <laughs> especially with the years that we've had. All right. So now we're going to go into some of the other announcements from some of the different streams from across the week. This is one that I think Adam and games might be able to talk about. This is a dungeon crawler that released in Japan uh, last year that has now got a localization for Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, PC, and Steam called Undernaut's Labyrinth of Yomi, which was originally called what? Yomi Osaka Hano. Yeah, so I know you guys talked about this at a Tetracast, one of the first ones we did last year. Uh, and I think it was James that really expressed interest in this one. So now it finally is getting an English localization. It's coming this fall, 2021. Right. From, from Axis, too. And Axis hasn't done a lot of RPGs recently, so that's cool. I, I kind of figured that they'd be the ones to handle it because they did Deathmark. Yeah, but also they're um, like an Ice America is just too busy right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like Axis is always looking for games to localize because they don't have a Japanese company. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually imported this on Switch. I hadn't started it yet. I'm probably going to play it in Japanese before it gets localized, but um, I'm definitely interested. It has a very smt inspired aesthetic to put it mildly and like even like reading through the like manual like i even had it right here it even says that it has like a whole kind of like a, an smt style like um alignment system that um kind of like how stranger of swords city did where you could which uh, by the way same developer this is a uh, experience inc so yeah saver sapphire wing stranger of Sword city it would be um, fair to say that um, while Str- Stranger Sapphire Wings is obviously their latest game that's being localized, it's more of like a remaster of a previous one. And this mm-hmm. one is their first like real new title in like who knows how long. Like first real dungeon RPG. Yeah. So just so, to just to set the facts, so last year in Japan, both 
Saviors of Sapphire Wings and Yomi Wosakuhana released in Japan last year, both dungeon crawlers by Experience Inc. But Saviors of Sapphire Wings is kind of like a, a re-release, remake sort of deal. So Yomi is the kind of a, the new game, really. Well, the, the, those two other games are getting a dual pack here this month. Like two weeks, yeah. Basically, yeah. the deal with um, Savior Sapphire Wings is that I do know that players in Japan were a bit disappointed because it wasn't a proper remake of Students of the Round. Instead, it was like a remaster using Strangers of Sword City assets, which that probably won't be a big deal if you haven't played the original Students of the Round before, but it is something to keep in mind. Whereas, like, even just looking at, like, screenshots and even, like, the video they showed for announcing this, it's clear that, uh, I guess it's Undernauts now, has a higher budget overall. Um, I'm excited for it. I have heard some rumblings that do make me worried about the localization, so we'll see how that happen, what, what happens when it releases, but so excited. So I feel like Axis is... Um, I, let's say? <laughs> I will say... And I, I'm going to be cautious because I do know that Access employees listen to this podcast. Uh, that the amount of time that certain people were, um, the amount of time that they wanted for people to handle localization on this project was very, very short. Yeah, I'm. There's, there's going to be timing and budget issues. That kind of all. It's it's more than just quality of translators. It's you know how much budget and time are they giving to this. So it's just it's a and again, more yeah, yeah, I understand why because again, access it's a niche or, yeah, game it's, too. it's a niche game. Access got a budget. I hope it turns out well. And this is a game that I feel like if it, I mean, it's probably never going to do super well over here because <laughs> it's a niche genre. It's a it's like dungeon RPGs in general are just really hard to sell because you're you're into RPGs and then you're into RPGs and dungeon RPGs are like more akin to like the stats and party composition whereas like a lot of modern rpgs that's less of the forefront and more of it's on story you definitely need like mm -hmm. a either like a strong ip or prestige developer that has like well like is well known to for them to do somewhat well so yeah well originally as a footnote this game was originally they were conceiving it as an action rpg back when it was announced <laughs> like in 2016 but then they eventually like retooled it to be more in line with the dungeon RPGs that they had obviously had experience with. Yep. Well, uh, so I remember people... that was kind of funny at the time where they're like, this game is going to be an action RPG. It's like, really? This developer only makes dungeon crawlers. That seems kind of <laughs> yeah. different. And then, oh, nope, they're making it a dungeon crawler again. <laughs> so, so we know astronauts. What's an undernaut? Uh, an astronaut that explores the underworld. It it's sounds it's like an astronaut in here. <laughs> it's an astronaut that plays uh, Undernight in Birth. Oh, I like that. And with that joke, I must say, I unfortunately have to leave to oh. uh, to go do stuff. Uh, thank you, uh, gents, for having me. No, yeah, thanks for being on. You really yeah. contributed a lot with your discussions on Bravely and Noja. So I'm I'm excited to listen to this one. Uh, you guys have a great rest of your day. Yeah, it was a yep. pleasure. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, ta-ta. <laughs> Even a good exit. Man. Any Undernaut. other final thoughts on Undernuts? I tried looking up if it had a well-defined definition. It doesn't. <laughs> it's, cool. it's cool. It's cool that it's just releasing out everything here, uh, like at once, because it had like a weird like launch in Japan where it was like it was Xbox like Xbox first, and then yeah, it was weird. 
Yeah. Experience does that sometimes where they release their games on Xbox. Like it, it was really and weird. And one thing that is probably not going to be a problem over here, but one thing when I was looking into buying, uh, well, importing uh, Yomi Sakura under Knots. I honestly think they should have kept the old title. I don't know kind of a weird title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was a weird thing where the Xbox One version, when it originally came out, there was a base game and then a version that included like post-game content separately as like DLC. And then like the, P- the PS4 and Switch versions by default just comes with the post-game DLC. So it almost sounds like they weren't completely finished with the game when they released it on Xbox. So they finished huh. it up for the PS4 and Switch and also had DLC for like post-game stuff, which it's very, very, very weird. Um, How many people in Japan have Xboxes right now? Uh, I have no idea. I think it's like last 550. I checked. 550. No, last I checked, like Xbox <laughs> Ones, it was like 10,000 or something. Yeah. Uh, not great. Uh, and I'd imagine that like a good half of the people that actually use their Xboxes in Japan that aren't just like Marines stationed over there are probably huge experiencing fans. <laughs> They're probably um, not a negligible percentage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the overall reception of the game in Japan, like I, I know I've mentioned it before, like Amazon Japan are usually really brutal, like their user reviews. The overall reception has been really well. So I'm excited to get to it. And hopefully it is like, it, I guess stacks up to the hype I'm seeing in user reviews over there. Really I still cool feel like I I Dungeon Crawlers like that style of game is something that really fits what I'm looking for in an RPG. But I still feel like there hasn't really been an experience game that has like knocked it out of Nailed the park it. yet. Yeah, Stranger of Sword City was the closest. It's their best game so far, but it still has some really strong caveats for that even if you do like dungeon crawlers so i'm interested in trying uh both savior sapphire wings which seems like it's sort of just okay we'll see and then this this is maybe this may be a dumb question but i'm noticing the uh what they use at the end of the trailer here uh and then what the uh, box arts that have the english the north american esrb it still titles it Yomi Wosaka Hana, and Undernauts doesn't appear on the box art. I th- I think that title must have been chosen very very recently, because even on like the New Game Plus Expo stream, they didn't say the title, and then it was just in the mm-hmm. press release where they had the title. So it seems like they might have just come up with the title like just before <laughs> the announcement and they just put it in the press release. release. They're like it's pending title or Undernauts Heads or Tails. Yeah. I actually I actually we actually got the press release before it was. Um, shown on the stream and i was like what is under knots <laughs> like what is this <laughs> so i guess under i guess what not not is a prefix for nautical which is like exploration and then under yeah okay something like that is the title okay yep it's slated for fall of this year for everything well yep. i mean not next gen so well i mean it's not exactly a game that's going to be stressing right. that gen hardware in the first place so Also announced at the New Game Plus stream from Nice America, we got the announcement of a new dual pack called Perny Presents NIS Classics Volume 1. The two games in this pack are Phantom Brave and Soul Nomad and the World Eaters. So I have not played either of these games. Has anyone played these two games? Yes, they're both strategy RPGs and they're I've both played Phantom Brave. Brave. Yeah, they're they're both pretty okay. Um 
the weird the weird one in this is I think Adam and I were uh, or Adam was mentioning it was uh there the Phantom Brave uh, is called the Phantom Brave colon the Hermuda Triangle remastered and we're not we're unsure if this is like since it's still gonna be released for both Switch and PC, but there's already a release of Phantom Brave on PC. So here's the thing, from what I understand. I played the PC version of Phantom Brave. I actually haven't finished it, but I played a good chunk of it. Um, so the Phantom Brave released, or not the Phantom Brave, Phantom Brave, originally released on PlayStation 2, is an NIS strategy RPG. It actually was the very first game localized by NIS America. Oddly enough, the first Disgaea game was actually localized by Atlas. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so, and then Phantom Brave got a re-release on PlayStation Portable and Wii. I don't remember what order. Um, they both got like new content, those versions. Like the Wii version, I think, had like a different alternate story with one of the characters. And then the PSP version had some new stuff as well. The PSP version is actually called Phantom Brave, the Hermuda Triangle. The PC okay. version of these, I, as far as I understand, has all the content of the Wii and the PSP version kind of bundled in. So it's like, okay, this is complete. And then this this new Switch version, I think, is basically the PC version on Switch, which is just kind of everything. So they're not they're not re-releasing like Phantom Brave again on PC because it's already there. Yes, I actually had to email NIS America like, wait, is this coming to PC again? And they actually told me kind of briefly the PC announcement is for Soul Nomad. So basically, okay. what it seems like, and this is sensible, is that Soul Nomad, which you can talk about more than I can because I haven't played it. That's coming to PC, so it'll be on there with Phantom Brave, which is already on there, and then both those games are going to be bundled on Switch. So wait, it's wait, actually wait. very similar to uh, to the Grandia collection, where obviously it released as the pair, but on PC, Grandia Two was already there, right, so they exactly. just kind of like retitled it. Is is Prinny mm-hmm. anywhere in these games? Have I been fooled? Uh, I think there's like some maybe there may be a cameo Prinny and Phantom Brave somewhere, but it's like not... this is this is what this is what George zeroes in on. Like he's, 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 he's in the title of the bundle pack. It's Prinny presents. Yeah, that is that is a fair question. I don't. Yeah, unless it's a cameo, I'm not a. Not maybe really. it's just he's like he yeah. is an is like mascot, I guess. Just that. that yeah. In the news announcements and stuff like that, it was like Prinny. I was like, oh god, not another one. <laughs> this will kill me off. It's like Prinny presents. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Soul, Soul Nomad is an, an interesting one. It's a strategy RPG that came out around, I think, 06, 07 for PS2. Yeah, so uh, it's a late PS2 game. Yeah, it was. Uh, th- this is like one of those games that is the touts that like, oh, you can make impactful decisions, you can be a good guy, bad guy. But this really goes all the way with it because you can actually like make like a, a bad or demon or evil playthrough in this game. And like, it's really a really sad depressing game if you want it to be like you can like there, there's definitely like, you can, like raid villages you can like uh, kill off significant people in that game and, and it's, 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 what i read it's, um it's like you get possessed by a demon uh like your... so you played this yeah but it was like way back when i haven't played replay so it. from from what i read just literally from wikipedia it seems like you make a choice early on in the game which basically decides if you're going to do the good route or the evil route so it's not like choices you make in the game kind of leading to one end to the other it's like kind of like a toggle at the beginning i suppose i might be wrong but that's just kind of how i'm interpreting it but it sounds like however the case there's an evil route where you are pretty darn evil yeah so yeah, but I think I think even in the even if you choose a route, like there are still like toggleable decisions within okay. it. Like it's not like oh you're you're confined to like 
there's like not a linear thing. It's like I think there's still some branching points in them where you can actually like, okay, I don't want to go that far, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's I mean it, it wasn't a bad game. I mean, I remember from what I remember, it was like it's a totally enjoyable experience. It's cool that they're bringing it back to more playable to modern platforms. Yeah, just just broadly conceptually re-releasing these older titles onto modern platforms and PC. I'm all for that. And also, considering this game is titled Volume 1, I wonder if they already have a Volume 2 planned. What, the, what do you want to see so, released? Makai Kingdom from them? ZHP. ZHP. Was it the Zetai Hero Project? Was that what it was? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, they, they, have, they have such a rich library that it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, why not? These, uh, these older titles are so hard to like play right now that this is this Take is good. No, it's Square Enix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, but it's not like these are like full blown out, like re, like the, the remaster is still faithful to the original look. It's not like, oh, crazy all new assets. The, they're kind of yeah. like upscaled, but like kind of clean up skills. Fan of Brave is actually kind of awkward looking. It takes a while to get used to because like the backgrounds are like upscaled, but the sprites are basically still the old sprites. They're kind of still. Blurry. It kind of like it doesn't mesh well, in my opinion. Well, it, it sort of reminds me of like when they released Disgaea on PC. They you can do the original sprites in Disgaea, but you can also do like a smoothing, blurring thing. And I don't, I personally don't really like that. But I don't know. It's, I think no matter what you do, if you are trying to upscale a pixel game, it's going to get weird. Did they? It's uh, either going to mess with the backgrounds or be in, unfaithful. Did they say release date for these? Just summer. So okay. maybe not too far away. Now, an now interesting little bit of time to re-release Disgaea three. <laughs> an <laughs> interesting bit of time capsules, like I, like I go to the site and I click on Soul Nomad and I can see like the original announcements from like the two thousand seven release from back in two thousand six. Proto uh, RPG site. The days. Soul Nomad, the Soul Nomad uh, website, the original website is still up from NIS America, but it's based on Flash, so it's broken. Aren't they? Are they both uh, dual audio language releases? Uh, I think originally they were. I don't remember if they were. NAS was kind of early on the ball for the for that and a lot of their games. I believe both of them were dual audio, even on PS2. Okay. Finally, from I believe just yesterday, during the Tales of Festival, the end of the day one of that festival, we finally got a pulse for the upcoming Tales of Arise, which was originally slated to release last year was delayed to like a nebulous maybe this year uh, setting. It's been in the header for RPG site for the last two years. We finally got a new trailer for it. Uh, this trailer is a lot of like similar footage from what was shown at the announcement back at E3 2019 and TGS 2019 a few months later. But most notably, it does kind of give the first look at the voice acting of the two main characters, both in English and Japanese, uh, Alfin, the protagonist, and Shion, the, the other protagonist. Uh, so I don't know. What do we think about this? We finally got CRIs for the first time in like a year. Uh, it seems like we'll probably have more info in the next few weeks because of the trademark leaked for like a thing called Bandai Namco next. And like the rumors mm. of Elden Ring information this month, it would make sense that that, that those two would be bundled together in the same thing. If that Bandai Namco next thing is like a sort of like video presentation with details on upcoming games. Yeah, I could see it being either that or being an Xbox like showcase because 
Tales of Arise was announced at an Xbox event, and then there's stuff like Scarlet Nexus, which has basically only been shown at, well, mostly at Xbox things, but also a few other places, but it's kind of got that Xbox branding. Wasn't Elden so Ring? I can see it. Xbox Elden Ring is also like Xbox, kind yeah. of the marketing yeah, handle, the, if you will. It's coming to everything, Don't just to be clear, but right. Bamco's things to really like um, teaming up with Microsoft for marketing deals because they've been doing it for like almost five years now. They remember when they, DBC when they, yeah, I remember, yeah, DBC Kakarot, Fighter Z, Jump Force, Jump Force, <laughs> uh, all sorts of things. But um, yeah, I probably later this month. So, so all right, so uh, well, let's say bets. Tales of Arise this year or nah? I think it's either going to be late this year or early next year. Yeah, I think that's the safe bet. It, it well, kind of all depends on how much COVID kind of like knocked back their development time. Apparently, <laughs> some developers have been struggling with it. These so, people, man, I, I say this year or next year. They're like, ah, it's I, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say March of next year. I'm not going to equivocate and give myself a one. <laughs> March yeah, next right, year. We okay, okay, then I'll just say it's going to be fall. Okay, so next year, I'd say then if I had to push. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Bookmark it. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pick fun of you if you're wrong. That's just a punishment of this. I, I think the, the, the one the, the one weird cool thing that I liked out of this Tales of Festival that just ended um, was they announced uh, that this December in Japan, uh, they're going to release um, a Blu-ray disc of all the I heard about this. openings, like the anime that's openings cool. that play. And it's like, that's cool because you'll have, have like clean uh, upscales or you know, of whatnot of the of the old Tales games. Ideally the, the best versions of all of them. Yeah. I, I I'm really hoping to like just order I'm waiting for Amazon Japan to like get it up for pre-order. I wanna it's like gonna be like 80 bucks, but so you're basically paying like $80 for like what could be like YouTube videos, but I mean that's a lot of openings. How many Tales openings are there? Like 20? Seven or something. It's a lot. So Wait, by many? the way, uh I think it's Tales 20... of a that's a lot. Tales of Arise is another game where the protagonist has no memories. Oh, or Elfin is also a slave. Yeah, he says the only thing he remembers is that he is a slave, or was a slave, is a slave. He says the only thing I know about myself is that that I'm a slave. We've been out of news for so long. Literally two neighboring planets, and like one planet's enslaving the other planet. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm like counting real fast right now, so it's like. It's 17, 17 Tales game openings in that thing. A lot. And it's like it's like 7,000 yen or something. I'm, I'm still stupid enough to want to buy it, though. Like I, I really want clean versions of those old-ass Tales openings because they're still confined to like really shitty quality. Yeah, like you take the <laughs> PS2 release and upscale it. That's like, yeah. poorly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll like, get more news on our... Oh, sorry, I was going to start wrapping this up. Oh, you guys are all, yeah. you guys are dwelling on these opening Blu-ray. Go ahead, talk about this opening Blu-ray. I, I, I guess I'm just, just not interested in it. Ring a bell is good. <laughs> it, <laughs> is. it is. It is. The, the, I'm just saying, the, like, the first HD Tales game opening was, like, what, Tales of Zillia? Or the Grace Graces? No, Vesperia had one. Oh, right. Yeah. Vesperia was, that, you were talking about that Persona song getting an English version. Vesperia was kind of nice. That, that game... Ring a Bell has English and Japanese, like that's sung right. by the same person. I think uh, Graces did too. It's kind of nice when they do that, just have the same like bilingual singer sing it twice. That's nice. Try to think of like, I think Bonnie Pink was the one who did Vesperia. Mm-hmm. 
Go on, keep talking about these uh, openings. On this I mean, we could all day. We could all day if you really want. My hot to. take is that I prefer the instrumental American opening to Symphonia either over either of the Japanese soundtracks. I just like it because it's like a bespoke, scored track for the English opening rather than like what Abyss does, which is terrible and takes the Japanese lyrics and just replaces them with guitar. And it honestly sucks, especially when it's <laughs> guitar. Yeah. God. Oh, good. <laughs> Because in Symphonia, especially the one that they use on the remaster, it just feels like an AMV. Like, here's a here's a recent Japanese pop song that we're just going to overlay on this existing footage. And it sort of kind of fits and sort of doesn't. Yeah. So that's my favorite of the three. For Symphonia. Uh, I, th- I think uh, the, the, just it, by and large, you, you can never really go wrong with the original version of a Tales of opening. So what mm-hmm. they replace it with is always like a 50-50. Maybe it'll work. I was actually surprised that like, because I believe both of the Zillia games, they were able to license the Japanese opening. I might be wrong. I think they did. I think they did use it for the opening. But then Zestaria, I know for sure, did not. So it went no. back to like replacing it with guitar. And it's just kind of like, God, this it, is it terrible. It's a really cool opening, too, in Japanese. Like, I really enjoy the song in Japanese, despite Zestaria being like a game. Zestaria is the worst one. <laughs> That's my opinion. So there was, there was, so this is actually the first. Like it's hard to imagine that Bizario was what, like four years ago at this point? Approaching five? 2017, I, 2016. Yeah. And like that's a PS3 game at heart. So this is not yeah. this is a PS4 game at heart. It's still slated for PC, PS4, Xbox One. So it's technically it the first Tales game developed for like last gen consoles. First last gen Tales game. Amazing. Just Weird to think that Tails mm-hmm. technically skipped an entire console generation. Pretty much. Well, I mean, it will have until this releases, and then this is kind of going to be a nebulous mode where a lot of people will just be putting it into their PS5s or whatever. That's uh, bold of you to say that everyone will, like, a lot of people have PS5s by the time this is released. Oh, but by next March, I hope so. That's when it's releasing, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, we do have a bunch of other stuff that came out, which mostly boils down to like release dates announcements. So we're finally like peppering in the spring and summer months with stuff that had, we knew was coming, but we're now just nailing down dates on the calendar. So let's just uh, let's just rock it through this and see what we think. First up, Trails of Cold Steel 4 is launching for PC on April 9th, which I have listed here is the same as the Switch date. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So it was weird that it wasn't announced alongside the Switch version. Maybe they, maybe it was still a bit up in the air. Uh, but yes, it will be releasing on Switch and PC on April 9th. And I do know that someone uh, that the the porting studio, Durante's, what is it, PH3? Yeah, they did. They did mention that it'll have the same suite of features and upgrades on as the Cold Steel 3 PC version. Uh, so it should be in good hands, or it is in good hands for the, for that. Um, I, I guess a lot of us have played Cold Steel 4 when it first released last year on on console, well, on PlayStation. So I, I'm eager to kind of follow up on that. Good luck. In, in a month You're ready so. to experience. I, I'm, not, I'm not really high on any of the Cold Steel games, to be honest. So I'm kind of like, I'm ready to experience this supposed train wreck. Sorry. I, I can't wait for both of your experiences. You, you guys I'm trying to go in with an open mind, but it's yeah, I, honestly going to be really hard. Yeah, I mean... I. I hate being so negative about that game, but I can just tell you from the types of gamers that you are and what you value in an RPG, 
Adam, I don't foresee you liking it. I mean, I'm already pretty down on Cold Steel 3, to be honest. So it's just like, oh boy, this is the one, and that's the one people like. So. <laughs> mm. All right, Cold Steel 4, April 9th. We won't uh, bag on it much longer. Also coming out for Switch in April, on the 27th, we're getting a port for Death End Request, which is the Idea Factory game that originally released in 2018, 2019 in the West. Uh, it does have a sequel that also released, but this is a port of the first game coming to Switch. Kind of a surprise. I don't know if anyone really expected this. Who well, originally... it was announced for Japan a couple months ago. So. It's oh, not yeah. shocking because they've already ported the engine that uh, the game runs on to Switch, which is Orochi. Um, hopefully the port is better than some of the Idea Factory lever games, but as we already talked about, it's more like a visual novel, so it's like just put it on the easiest settings, grin and bear it, and then just Played in spite of the gameplay. Yeah, you know, James. I didn't realize James reviewed this back in 2019 originally. Well, though during battles, so it's gonna be interesting to see how that performs. But it, it does get like kind of crazy during battles. Oh, I see. Uh, Chow actually reviewed it in February, and then James in May, twice in 2019. So now we have a switch version. Who's up? George. No. <laughs> Come on, George! You haven't done an Idea Factory title yet. Yeah, I'm not going to jump into the one game that people seem to be really split on in the series. I've never played. That just doesn't sound. That's a that's a prerequisite. Okay, fine, George. If you don't if you don't uh, review this one, you have to review the next one for sure. Because we know you have a PS5. Damn it! (laughs) Fine. By the way, this will be a 39.99 digital release. It will have limited retail availability, either through like the official website or through limited run games. So there's that. Any other comments on Death's Entry Quest Switch port? Otherwise, we'll move on. I'm ready to George's next assignment. Oh, I I thought we were talking about Trails of Cold Steel 4 then. That's why I was was bashing it really bad then. Well, when you said like a a not well-received entry of a series you haven't played, that's that's kind of general. I think think (laughs) Death and Request, people generally like like James, say like the story stuff, if you like the Corpse Party games and is worth playing, but the gameplay stuff is just not so much. Oh man, yeah, I I apologize to Death and Trails Burn. I would warn you, though, George, if you do actually end up playing it, it is very incredibly dark. Uh, you're probably not too familiar with the Quartz Party series, but it's uh, it doesn't hold back. It gets really brutal. I think, I think we've taken this joke too far. I don't think George has any interest in this. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've already assumed that George is going <laughs> to. We need to compare it to Kingdom Hearts. How is this like Kingdom Hearts? What's the darkest Kingdom Hearts moment? Oof. Uh... Goofy dies. Truth would be Shion dying, but then it's kind of ruined. He's like, who else will I have ice cream with? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. And... I'm about to fuck with Donald Zeta flaring that darkest moment. But... There we go. Uh, you thought we were free of Neptunia? Uh, not quite. So Neptunia Reverse, which uh, is the English version of Go, 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 if I remember right, uh-huh, which is, is releasing, which is releasing on June 8th. For, piece, for PlayStation 5, June 11th in Europe. So I love how the uh, Japanese naming scheme was literally putting it into example that it's the fifth time they're releasing the same version of this game. 
So yeah, this. So is let, the, me, so let me let me see if I can chronicle this. The original hyperdimension hyperdimension Neptunia released on PlayStation Three. Okay. It then got a Vita like remake, like pretty much a redo overall, and that was like yeah, a Rebirth game. And then that got a PC port, which I believe was the same, just like the same as the Vita game, but on on PC. Then that got a PS4 port that added a few new things, but never released in English. And then that PS4 okay. port is getting ported to PS5 with even more new things. They backported the, back the changes from the PS4 version into the PC version. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, th I think that's how it So ran. it went from PC to PS4 and then kind of back to PC. Okay. And then, yeah, so that, so that it was hybrid, hybrid dimension of Tunia for the PS3, then hybrid dimension Neptunia rebirth one for the Vita, then Hyper Dimension Neptunia Rebirth 1 still for the re-release on PC, then Rebirth 1 Plus for the PS4. And then backported I, to PC. It wasn't a separate release, but it's like I think it was like DLC or something or a free update. I honestly forgot. So it wasn't like it's its own separate product on PC. And now you have this game, which is uh Hyper Dimension Neptunia Reverse, uh, which is like there is the same game in it, but then there's a separate game mode that allows you to just unlock all the 27 characters in it off the bat, and it's like rebalanced and has like a few new things in it, like fishing. And it's finally a JRPG, yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't know, dude, even though I don't really I care about the series, I actually kind of like how they include like it's almost like almost like a it feels like a randomizer or some sort of mod where it's just like we have a version of this game now, you can just now you can play as any character at any time in the game. <laughs> yeah. like, Story be damned. Just play who you want to play as. Just and this, at this, any point, even if it doesn't make sense. And this Neptunia Reverse is a true PlayStation Five exclusive. It's only for PlayStation Five, right? So, and it's coming out in it June. Like, it still looks like shit. It's, still <laughs> it's a Vita game. I, I, I want to see like a, I want to see like a kaleidoscope that shows like a four by four grid of like all the different versions of this game, just like in comparison. Ugh. Like yeah, like just just uh just have the uh, like the same images from each version lined up together. It's like all right, name me each uh, where, where where all these games came from. It's like the same screenshot from each version. Another release date announced during the New Game Plus stream: uh, Alchemic Cutie is launching first for Xbox One and Xbox Series in July on July twenty seventh. It is also set to release for Switch and PC, uh, but those dates haven't been set yet. This was originally announced a couple years ago, or a few years ago at this point, in 2018. This yeah. is one of those indie games that, like, it was originally, like, unveiled. Like, a lot of indie games aren't really, like, formally announced. Just, you know, the developer just says, like, hey, I'm working on this game now. Like, yeah. As far back as 2017. And then, I believe in 2018, Circle Entertainment said they're going to publish it for Switch and PC. And then it just sort of went silent for a while. And, like, it was just kind of in the work. You know, it's an indie game. Sometimes it'll take a while. And then now... PM Studios kind of announced that they're releasing it on Xbox. And like I guess Circle is still doing the PC and Switch ports later, maybe. You know, indie games are sometimes just that's that's the the reality of making developing a game is sometimes when you're a small, like two-person studio, I think this game is, they're just gonna release on one platform, then the next, then the next one. They get around to it. This is an interesting um like premise though, because it seems like a mix between like Slime Rancher and like Atelier. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, you you. It's and like it's a pixel art like slime laser. Yep. It, it looks kind of like visually, it looks like maybe like Stardew Valley or 
maybe like a top-down Zelda game, but it's got like that bubblegummy art style, top-down, very relaxing sort of premise. Seasons change, and you like explore around this island, and you collect these little things Slime. called jellies. Yeah, so it's, it seems like very much like a very low-key, gentle sort of game. Which hey, hell, we already talked about games that just get needlessly dark. Let's let's go to the opposite. Alchemic Cutie. It's even in the name. I mean, first to Xbox, oddly enough, uh, in July with the other two versions still on the docket for some point at some time. We got a release date also for Disgaea 6. I thought I had this in order, but I guess I don't. This is another June release. So Disgaea 6 Defiance of Destiny is launching for Nintendo Switch on June 29th. Uh, we've covered this game a few times on the Tetracast, talking about its move to like a 3D art style. Uh, how it has oddly the Japanese PlayStation release that isn't being localized. So now we just have a release date for the um, for the English version. It released in Japan on, in January this year. And apparently, apparently, the PlayStation Four version runs considerably better than the Switch version, or I should maybe say noticeably better. So it's kind of weird how we're not getting that one. Like, okay. uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, maybe it's a time exclusivity or something over here in the West. Who knows? I I really want to see yeah. us running a better. Um, I will say that um, one of the major reasons why people seem to be so down on the Switch version's performance is that for whatever reason, the, the demo defaulted to like a 20 FPS resolution mode. And there's an actual like performance mode you can set in the, the options that makes the frame rate a lot smoother, though the resolution yeah. is lower. Yeah, but but it's, it looks blurry or great. Um... This this uh, message was delivered by Nikawa, the uh, president of Nippon Ichi Software, and and the, throughout that message, he did mention they he didn't confirm that they're developing like this guy at <laughs> seven, but he did mention that like whatever feedback they get from this game, they'll incorporate they might incorporate into the whenever they start development of this guy at seven. So in it's a way, literally when not if. Yeah. Uh, on, on one hand, it's not too surprising that their flagship series isn't going to end at six, but on the other hand. NAS hasn't has had some like turbulent years, so it's kind of like not the worst thing to hear that they're planning on a Disgaea Seven. So, well, I mean, one thing I will say is that I haven't played Disgaea Six yet, but there is some um, somebody I follow on Twitter that has played through Disgaea Six, and it doesn't sound super hot. <laughs> it sounds mm. like, um, well, first off, in their like Twitter thread about it, they mentioned how. You can literally auto battle through the entire game. Hell yeah, that that sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> who, who needs gameplay? All right. Yeah, and then Mikawa had a Reddit AMA on R slash Games, and he outright said in one of his responses that yeah, that was a deliberate design decision. <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, I sort of understand story modes in games. Like, if you people who want to experience a story and just kind they of breathe through combat. Level. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's weird. Also, for a strategy game, is kind of weird. Like, it's just I don't know. You're, you're right. Uh, let's uh, get put that auto battle into Project Triangle strategy. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to try to think throughout these games. Come on now. I mean, the next Fire Emblem game will have just a story mode. Just skip the battles. I mean, they they went all they're they're different like halfway there with the most recent one. You could like right. you can do it. You can have like auto battle along with like the easiest difficulty. So I wonder if you could beat all the stages like that. If I ever get around to this game, I'll just try that. Just literally, just at the, at the beginning of each level, just click auto battle and see what happens. 
see how far out you get. All right, the, the, this 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 guy is sounding like a very uh, game journalist friendly game. You don't even have to play. The game. <laughs> yep, yeah, game yeah. journalists cannot play these things. I'm still waiting on this guy at three. Come on, niece, put it on PC. It's, yeah, it's the only one that's not on PC now, which is weird. Yep, I still need to finish full. I forgot four came to PC. But at least it's not like uh, there's one of the Sky games on PC that actually like has a native Linux version. I think it's two, and I don't. I think it's the only one. Like, let me check. Let me check. I also it, think it's weird that um, this guy of four is on Game Pass for for PC. It's just weird. Like, it's oh. technically on Xbox, kind of. Okay, so yeah, the Sky of one PC is on Windows, and the Sky of two. I believe it's the Sky of two that had the Linux version for whatever reason. Those are the only. Okay. Yeah, the Sky of two is the only the Sky game on both Mac and Linux. It's weird. Why not? <laughs> I'm just curious. Disgaea I'm going to Xbox average. Game Pass app and I'm typing in Disgaea. And yeah, there it is. Disgaea 4 complete. Game Pass. Yep. I can install right now if I wanted to. It's very weird. <laughs> Doesn't have auto battle, so it can't be a good one. Yeah, it's too <laughs> hard for me. Finally, we do have a release window for another incoming very niche RPG. Mary Skelter Finale. Finale? Which is the last of the of the trio of the Mary Skelter games following Mary Skelter Nightmares and Mary Skelter 2. We'll be releasing on PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch this fall. It did release last year in Japan. Yeah, localization announcement. Like, so, not just oh, so it's a new announcement and yeah, okay. Uh, so it is being localized, coming out this fall. It released last year in Japan in November. It's the third game in the trilogy. This Has is anyone a played the one. first two? Uh, did, did Mary Skelter 2 ever come out on PS4? No, it did not. So uh, this is one thing I've heard through the grapevines, it seems like Sony's actually relaxing those uh, like policy changes they made. So that might be the reason it's coming over. Hmm. But the- my guess is, is that if they wanted to release Mary Skelter 2 on PS4, they probably would have to, I hate, I'm going to say this, censor it a bit um, just to, 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 to release it. And ID factory basically just said, no, we're just not going to release it. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so. like the the this feels because Mary Skelter Nightmares is available on PC in the West. I don't know if it's on PS4 as well. I, I honestly forgot. Uh, Mary Skelter Nightmares was on Vita, Vita, but there's no reason to get the original now because Mary Skelter Two is like the Cydia Duodecim situation where it also includes a revamped version of the original game. So that that's the weird thing about that version is you need to beat Mary Skelter Two, I believe, to unlock the first. Game. Well, that, I mean, that was the same deal with the city of Duodecim because it was but, literally a prologue, and then you had the original need, game. But you need to have play, like to get the whole like understand Mary Skelter two. I heard you need to have played the first yes. one. So I, I believe it does like a prequel sequel sort of deal, or it's sort of like yeah. People have, okay, so the, from what I gather, every time we talk about the series, this is what I've gathered: you need to have played the first one, then play the second one, then play you the played, updated yes. first one on the second yes. one to understand everything and then that's how you and then mary skelter finale after those that is weird so i guess that means yeah. if i ever want to get into the series i should actually play the, the uh, vita version i own so i have two comments one uh mary skelter finale which is the new version does include like visual novel sort of versions of the first two games so it's sort of like hey if you want to start with this one you can if you just kind of catch up in this sort of truncated way so that's included 
it's not like the game included. It's just like a visual novel version of it or something like that. And two, the other thing I wanted to say was the first Mary Skelter game did get a late PC port. It was actually ported by Ghostlight, who's done a few of these sort of Idea Factory ports. They, they have also been teasing, did uh, Tokyo Xandu X Plus, I think. Yeah, and, and a few others. They've been teasing a JRPG for a while, and a lot of people sort of assumed it was Mary Skelter 2, like because that would just sort of make sense for what they could be working on and would see a PC release, but they haven't announced it yet. And Mary Skelter Finale same does not have a PC release. So right now, first game is the only one on PC. I, I would like I hear good things about it. I would like to play them, but they seem so convoluted to play because right now it'd be like PC one, Switch two for two Switch, and then an updated yeah. one. Wow, on, how long are these the games? Anyways? I'm going to check on how long to be. Because... And, and then, and then now it's like this one's. On PS4 and Switch, at least. I, don't know. I, I mentioned earlier that I'm I'm a fan of dungeon crawlers, but just being honest, these games are just a little bit too skeevy for me. Yeah, just, eh, yeah, just that's too much. That's just sorry. Okay, well, at least yeah. going by how long to beat, like I can probably play one and two in the same amount of time that it took me to play Collaborative uh, Battery. Yep. Few other footnotes from this week. Uh, we got a. PSVR announcement for a virtual reality MMORPG, Zenith, which had already had an announced PC release and it's like a Steam page and a discussion forum on that. Uh, it's coming to PSVR. Uh, I don't really know anything else about this. Um, I'm not yeah, into virtual reality. It, it's just one of those things that, like, uh, even Alex, our boss, like, put put up the news post on on the site, and I guess it's. We're hoping, I guess, everyone's hoping for some sort of breakthrough with, with VR, especially the VR MMO space. Um, SAO. The, <laughs> I mean, the requisite SAO. Yeah, I, I, in the press release for this, um, they say that like you kind of customize cl- classes to fit your play style. They're not tied to specific roles. So if you want like a like a DPS character to heal, you can make it like that, or you can have like you know the mages do a melee build for some reason. But it's kind of freeform in that manner. Um, and see, you know, hopefully, hopefully it does well. About people are waiting. I, I guess that's one of like the allure of the, uh, the the promise of VR in your head is like, oh, you can have like these cool experiences, but no, no one has really broken through yet, as far as I know. I'm I'm interested in VR, but like I last really had my hands on it in like 2016 era. This is like when the HTC Vive was like the big VR headset. This is before like the the Valve Index or like the oculus really took off and at the time i just thought it felt very like carnivaly like here's farpoint which is one of the big i I think that's what it was called one of the big psvr launch games and it just felt like very like on rails shooter gee whiz this is vr isn't it cool so i want to see it like evolve past that stage which maybe it already has with something like half-life alex like if Mm -hmm. i was into the half-life series that's definitely a game that felt like it really was like that here is a big budget quote-unquote real true video game beyond just the fact that it's a VR gimmick. Like it's truly like built from the ground up to be experienced in this manner. I'm really interested in what Sony's next gen VR uh, thing is going to shape up to be now that they're not tied to like the PS move controllers. Right. And they can actually tailor it for like the, the specs of the PS five. Um, As someone who bought a PSVR maybe a month before they said, yeah, we're not making any more PSVR games. I'm probably a bit salty about it. I won't pick up a PSVR 2 for a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that that sucks, dude. Like especially get like picking it up so 
a month before they say that. But I, 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 obviously, the software library is what'll make or break this whole like you know proposition for me. Is I need to see the cool experiences. Like I think if I were to get like a any v, VR headset right now, I think my go to would be Half Life Alex. And yeah, I, I was gonna say I'd more. probably get, I'd probably get a Valve Index, even though it has a higher price tag, just because Valve has shown like they are serious about this with the fact that they released the the headset and then like a, a premium game like was free along with it. Like they really wanted people to play through Half Life Alex with their Valve headset. Um, and then by the way, the Zenith game supports Oculus Rift, HTC, Valve, PS4, and PS5 through the original PSVR, and then seemingly likely that whatever follows PSVR will be supported as well and also those are good optics too on sony early on before they announced their next gen vr announces like oh yeah if you want to use your psvr with uh, the ps5 you can just get this vr adapter from us uh for free but i mean it just they're very sketchy about it and also there are some like experiences like hitman vr that are just tied inherently to the ps4 yeah, as far that's... as i know you can't you, you can't do like ps5 to that which sucks. No, you have to like download a separate version. I think you get like a pass for it. I, I don't know. I didn't look into it too much. Uh, so. I could, I could do this, or I could just not. A few of tiny other things just to wrap, wrap this thing up. We did get some information about the newest upcoming entry in the Kiseki slash Trails series, uh, Legend of Heroes Kuro no Kiseki from Famitsu Magazine, and maybe, uh, maybe Josh can speak to a little bit what was shown here. Mostly, it focuses on. The change to a more action-focused combat system. Yeah, Falcom has been talking around, like you know, the the new iteration of uh, of their battle system with uh, Kuro no Kiseki, um, moving to a more action RPG. So Famitsu really laid out, uh, got a first like good look at what this is like shaping up to be. Uh, with uh, you know, you're actively dodging and attacking. You know, the circle has been assigned to uh, attack, um, and then X to evade. And whatnot, and you can like pull up like a tactics menu in the middle of battle and switch characters in the middle of battle and whatnot. What really surprised me, and I didn't think they were going to do this, was they're actually keeping in the command battle system as well, where you can uh, you can switch between action RPG or the traditional turn based at any time. So they're uh, designing two battle systems in Kurono Kiseki because it feels like they're very um, hesitant and iffy on committing to an action battle system um the so i guess they're kind of you can imagine from their point of view a lot of trails the future of trails combat is going to ride on whether people warm up to their what they envision uh an action rpg to be in the trails verse versus just sticking with the command battle system and whatnot honestly i'm up for this just because it's been like literally like nine games with kind of the same battle system i mean they do tweak it here and there a little bit from trails in the sky to trails of or hajimari even i guess that's mm-hmm. 10 games isn't it yeah but um so i'm i'm fine it's like let's just try something new i i've seen some people compare it to final fantasy 7 remake but i don't know if that's just because it's the hot thing but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I'm up for just mixing it up. I need to see this in motion to get a better, like, you right. know, uh, yeah. look at it. I, I'm not sh- like, I hope I'm fine with them mixing it up, and I, I really welcome it. I, I really, it, something really rubs me the wrong way of them not, like, not going all the way and devoting resources to both battle systems, just like this one or the other. Like, I would like to see, because this is going to feel really bad if this game comes out and both battle systems feel half baked or half assed. 
because and then, they, and then like the next game they like go back to the yeah and it's like oh this, this wasn't received well it's like okay, like i would rather they go like the yakuza route of just like just committing wholesale into a new battle mm-hmm. system. Imagine if Yakuza Like a Dragon came out. It's like, oh, you know, you can do it turn-based, but you can go back to the old beat-em-up brawler way just in case you don't like it. And it's like, yeah, okay. that's It, that's it feels weird. very, like, cautious. Yeah. It's like, I can understand to a certain extent, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, you know, they kind of lay out new systems as well, but they're not really explained in depth. Like, we don't know what this new boost or system is like or what this SELM system is like in this game um i i would like to see a trailer of this game in motion to get a better feel about it but you know everything they have showed up about kurono kiseki up at this uh this point you know sounds promising on paper it looks different the party composition already just even if they go with if they end up like a clusterfuck route where you have way too many characters on screen at least the main party is older and they're not students, and it looks like it's going to be a little bit more mature, at least. That's I'm up for a, that. That's a big upgrade on its own. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll see. This this seems you know the biggest step in the series gameplay wise um, for a while. But yeah. in the West, we have to wait a bit, and we still have to get Hadamari first. Yeah. So it'll I, be a while. I I think I think I don't know. I I don't know if I should feel like if I should feel bummed out or not that they're they they feel so. Not, they they're not confident in like what they what they want it to be. <laughs> well, they they literally have like kind of stuck to a a routine for like almost a decade. Like when did the first Trails of Cold Steel come out? Like 2012 in Japan. It's been a while. 2013, yeah. I want to say, and Cold Steel Two was 2014. So like it's they've been so in the routine. I, I guess I don't blame them for being a little bit cautious, but it's just kind of like, come on, guys, try something new. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, take a shot. <laughs> Other notes here that I think other podcast contributors threw up on our little outline here. Uh, Josh, tell me about Hideo Baba and where in the world is he? Yeah, so th- this has been uh, this, this is actually kind of like breaking news. Uh, earlier this morning, um, like this has been trending around Japan. Um, there's this uh, uh, YouTube game reporter, uh, Nakaido. Uh, you know, he has a, a leak, a, a leaker within the, the Lightworks studio. The Lightworks is the studio behind uh you know such things like fake grand order and now recently sakura kakume and it seems like that hideo baba has been off the map for a while because as you remember after he departed from um uh, namco bandai he went over to square enix for a little bit to to establish studio estolia to for this project prelude rune uh rpg for square enix and that was uh canceled uh, a few years back and whatnot so we're like okay where's hideo baba and a lot of people may know hideo baba from his works at the in the tales of franchise a lot a lot of his lasting legacy or the lasting thought of baba wasn't great because he's kind of the the head behind uh tales of hysteria and whatnot and we all know which i said is the worst one <laughs> yeah tales of hysteria uh not great um so the people have uncovered that Hideo Baba is supposedly now at the light at the Lightworks as the producer or the co-producer of Sakura Kakume, and this was already weird because when Sakura Kakume was unveiled, it was very uncharacteristic of them that uh, they were very coy about uh, unveiling the side producer for this game. Like they didn't list it; they they only listed you know the Sega producer and the creative director and whatnot. It's like okay, that's 
why would you not tell us like the 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 producer of the lightworks for this the lightworks game it's like okay i guess so it's been revealed that he's been there and like the expectation for sakura kakume internally supposedly in the lightworks was for this um for this project to do as well as fake grand order moving forward uh-huh. and that's uh, even if you don't know anything about fake grand order you know it's very big and to expect it to do perform as well as that is insane because they mm-hmm. they, they the the monthly development pu- budget for sakura kakume is 600 million yen or 5 million usd and if that game doesn't hit that revenue monthly uh, like the supposedly like the expectations for it it's not doing as well as it should be and that's insane to like expect for a new brand new game to do off the bat uh, even Take if it's order game, game like even just hearing it from very broadly from the grapevine i know it's basically funding like sony aniplex like it's yeah. like a huge chunk of their revenue yeah so that they're they're writing on that uh, over there so and then i I can't imagine like they're just kind of banking on like the Sakura Wars IP being popular in Japan to hopefully carry this. Like this this game uh, this game has not been obviously performing as well as they hope because at the moment it, like you know Sakura Kakume only hits like 100 million a month or like a sixth of what they wanted to do and like at the even though it's still like early it's it still hits like 300 million on like a good event like month like with a good event or whatnot. So Obviously, the upfront budget for this game has been crazy. Assuming, assuming everything that you were saying, which is laying this YouTuber, is accurate, yeah, it seems just like so. Like Sakura Wars, even in Japan before the new game, was like a dormant franchise for a decade, and now it has you know a new game and like an anime tied with that. That's still not enough to like expect it to do as well as Fate Grand Order, which has like six different animes in the last ten years or something like that. You yeah, know? Just, uh, and several games like. Like, how can you compete with that? I don't know. That seems kind of fun. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, this is the hubbub right now that's been like overtaking, like, you know, uh, uh, the Japan video game industry, like what they're talking about at the moment. And, you know, kind of just like, uh, just putting perspective, like, where Hideo Baba is at. And it's not necessarily like, you know, love him or hate him. You know, Baba is just, it's been interesting to see where this guy has been going. And it's not necessarily like, what he's doing is a good or bad thing, but like the sales expectations and the financial expectation for Sakura Kakame, no matter how the game is doing, to expect it to do as literally like the biggest thing right now in the in like the mobile game industry, like one of the big juggernauts is like that's insane, that's ludicrous. So the thing about yeah. Baba, which is kind of like interesting to me, is like he's been at Bond, he was at Bonnet Namco in charge of Tales for quite a while. Uh, it's a little bit fuzzy when exactly he became like the director or brand manager but it was at least at the tales of destiny 2 remake mm-hmm. and like so like tales of destiny the tales of Sphonia sequel tales of asperia tales of graces tales of zilia like and a, and a couple other games also mixed in with their in there like eternal sonata he was kind of a lead on all of that so quality of games aside he was at least seemingly able to produce and push out games to market and get sales so like he seemed like he was you know, relatively successful in making games and getting them out. Um, so it's kind of weird how he just sort of like after Zysteria just hasn't really done much of anything. Yeah, especially 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 like you know, at his brief time with Square Enix to be to make like the next big thing, like you know, mm-hmm. for even like made a new studio over there and that didn't peter out. 
It was just like this was his next yeah. ball back, and like this this next thing for him not looking really great either. Like this hasn't been the as far as I know hasn't really done much uh, mm-hmm. over in Japan. Even even if it's a soccer wars thing, this is not what soccer wars fans want clearly. So. Did you, you know, play the mobile game? I did play the mobile game for a few weeks, months. But uh, did you give up on it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it now. Just it's, it's boring to me. I didn't really like. It has a cool story and cool characters, but I just, I didn't really care for the gameplay and the, and the grind for it. So, just curious, which game have you stuck with? Is it mostly Dragalia, or did you give up on that too? I gave up on Dragalia. The, the one that I've uh, stuck with is right now is the Princess Connect Redive, the English version of that. All right, that came so, out a couple months ago. Yeah, like okay. I'm like a, like if we have like a guild over or a clan over at the RPG site Discord that like you know we 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 get together and do stuff in it, and you know people generally like it and it's been okay. I, I, I ask because I know you basically try. It feels like every single one. So I was just curious, which one have you kind of tried and actually stuck with recently? Yeah. So okay, like, I I give mobile games a fair shake uh, for better. Mm-hmm. Or, see how you know where, where that space is going because obviously not mm-hmm. a lot of people keep up on that and i like being somewhat in the know uh mm-hmm. in that space. i also keep on uh, still i'm still playing this blaze blue alternative <laughs> as well it's not that one just seemed to come out of nowhere yeah it's like it's still i feel like it's still not awful people don't really like it i don't think it's performing very well but for some reason it's like ah, it's it's not bad. It's not. It's, okay. it's not great, but it's okay. It's it's kind of like it, worse. It's it's like it's like how we um depict the tales of games here. It's kind of like um junk food. Yep. Yep. <laughs> one final final note here, and this is one for George. I think uh, we did get a developer of Disco Elysium for consoles in the game's official Discord channel. Reiterate that Disco Elysium, the final cut, which is like the re-release that includes all the new voiceover and all that, is still slated to land this month in March at some point. Yeah, um, that's... if you, oh, It's the only game at the moment that I'm really like... I wake up every day and I'm like, man, I hope they've announced a release date for that. Uh, and the further we get into March, the more I'm like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this happening this month? And they've said, I think it must have been... Two days ago now, they said, yeah, it's still, still ready for March. So if you're as excited as I am, then let's go. It's okay, George. At the time of this point, we're only six days into March. There's still a lot of March left, unfortunately. It feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like last year all over again. <laughs> just, you just need that Disco Elysium at the end of the, the, end of the, the, end of the road to get excited for. It, they'll be, be like, it's coming out at uh, March 31st, 12.59. I can see yeah. that happening. It will be like we said it's March, but you know, it might as well be April. It'd be like it's the just... last minute of the last time zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Disco Elysium like, is good. Yes. I, it was actually I to finally play it now that it's getting the definitive version. I feel like it's the type of game, it's not like a lot of other RPGs. So maybe like that first hour or so it might be a little bit of a, you know, uh an acclamation period, but like when, the the writing kind of hooks you. It's really well written. Where you just it's it's the side of it's the sort of writing, and maybe Brian can back me up on this. Where you just sort of want to just keep reading it. It's really engaging. Uh, I hope uh, I hope it has auto battle this time. <laughs> it has no battle. <laughs> it has like one battle that it's, it's really just a dialogue. Is all it is. <laughs> There's a battle to get your tie. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the like that. You can get a game over in the first like. I I, I am minute. curious to see George's uh, response to it because it doesn't feel like a George game at all. But I, it's putting George in a box. So George, no, break out of the box. Yeah, I fully agree. Like I I don't know why I've put it on a pedestal. Almost, I'm literally like, yeah, this will be this will be my George. game of the year. I can. I've just I've just got that feeling. You know? <laughs> George <laughs> buying the uh, <laughs> buying the uh, cap with the communist symbol um, symbol. Ring. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll maybe he'll play the game and come out an actual communist. George, George is literally like that. Uh, it's like George is like it's like I, I'm the biggest Disco Elysium fan, and I'm excited to play it for the first time. Ham fisted, hackneyed comparisons to Kingdom Hearts in some way. <laughs> Oh man, that reminds me of the meme where it's like, um, it's like, reviewer uh, fans excited to play it for the first time. No, it's another one. It's like reviewer uh, excited to finally play the game. And they've just put forty hours into reviewing or something like that. And like, a lot, I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like shockingly true. It's like, yeah. Well, I think that wraps up all the topics for this week. So a lot of release dates, a lot of release windows, some niche games, some RPGs coming to Switch. It seems like it was the focus of this uh, cast with, of course, you know, PlayStation 4 and PC always there. A few Xbox releases like uh, Alchemy Cutie. Uh, so we'll start wrapping this up. Obviously, we're here every week for the TetraCast. You can find this on Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and iTunes. You can obviously visit us on our website at rpgsite.net where we've got all of the stories that we talked about here today, including the Neptunia review from Josh. Thank you, Josh. I do what I do. We've got a Discord link at the top of our homepage where you can go to the Discord and talk about Princess Connect Redive or Monster Hunter or whatever you want in our channel. You can always visit us on YouTube at RPG Site Net, on Twitter at RPG Site. Uh, and other than that, stay safe, take care, and you'll hear from us next week. Later, everyone. Don't sleep on Nosia, folks. <laughs>